This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast Podcast. It's Tuesday, April 11th, 2023, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not NOM. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America! Steak for breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again. It can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. The Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family cranking out the big-time Easter savings for everyone down at MyPillow. When you enter promo code STAKE at checkout, you can enjoy things like the MyPillow version 2.0, buy one, get one free, and the biggest savings legally possible on things like My Dog Beds, Air Lindell's version 1 and 2 My Slippers, and Giza, Dream, everything. If you're more of a morning person, they've launched My Coffee. It's available in the bean, the bag, and the pod. And a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 25% off, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash STAKE for everything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash STAKE. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, one 800 658 45. The top tier of ear gear and the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can only be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, rolling Easter eggs with Joe Biden on the White House lawn, oh, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram. It's Take for Podcast Breakfast. There you'll find a link tree that will take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to everyone joining us today from the Republican High Command, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Twitter, Getter, and True Social. Welcome, Tuesday edition, Steak for Breakfast podcast, episode 229. I'm Roan. No one answered that are out today, so we'll have Alan Jacoby co-hosting with us. Guys, we've got a big show. Hope everyone had a great Easter, is experiencing a great Passover. We've got a tandem of congressmen joining us today. Kevin Kiley and George Santos will be here. We'll also be sitting down with former ambassador to Iceland, Jeffrey Ross Gunter, and one of our great friends, Cash Patel. But before we get to any of that and all the big news that happened over Easter weekend, let's take it up to Capitol Hill. All right, joining us first on the show today, he's the congressman representing California's 3rd District, coming back again with a big update, one of our favorites working up there on Capitol Hill. Mr. Kevin Kiley, thanks for joining us on Steak for Breakfast. Always great to be with you guys. Thanks very much. We are so happy to have you, Congressman. We've been seeing you've been doing a lot of work pushing that narrative of how hard you worked when you were uh, a state rep out here in California up on Capitol Hill. It's so funny that as you continue to combat the Biden administration, you're working hand in hand in combating Gavin Newsom, who's starting to spread his ideology across California. We're going to get into that in just a bit. But before we do, I do want to talk about the efforts that you've recently done to uh, prevent Julie Sue, who's basically failing her way up the chain and nominated for U.S. Labor Secretary. You want to tell our listenership a little bit about that battle that's been going on? 
well, absolutely. And this is just a perfect example of how, uh, you know, California's failures are now threatening the rest of the country. Uh, of course, yes, Gavin Newsom is out on some uh, red state tour uh, <laughs> trying to, you know, uh, tell people in other states that they should be more like California uh, when, you know, uh, these states are doing a lot better than California is. Uh, any way you slice it, whether it's economically, whether it's in, from the perspective of education, homelessness, infrastructure, uh, you name it. But when it comes to Julie Sue, uh, this is a very clear example of that happening because Joe Biden has now nominated Julie Sue to be his secretary of labor, which is precisely the role she had uh, for Gavin Newsom. And in that role, uh, she was uh, a spectacular failure. She presided over a $32 billion uh, unemployment uh, fraud scheme that was allowed by her department, mm -hmm. uh, largest fraud of taxpayer dollars uh, in history. And she was an architect and lead enforcer of the law known as AB5, which has uh, been devastating for California, has put countless people out of work by essentially banning independent work. And now they're trying to actually implement that same law uh, the Democrats are in Congress, or if not through the Congress, the Labor Department itself is trying to impose it by executive fiat uh, through the rule making process. So uh, the fact that Julie Sue could go from the record she had in California uh, of, you know, uh, probably the worst record of any labor secretary in the country, if not in the history of the country, to suddenly uh, being Joe Biden's pick for the top labor job in the country, uh, it just goes to show you um, how, uh, you know, completely backwards the priority of this administration are. Well, they certainly are, and that's an excellent point you made. Congressman, I do want to ask you a follow-up to that. Now, if something like a national version of AB5 made it up to Capitol Hill and was able to pass, what would that mean for the American workers? I mean, Joe Biden goes around claiming that he's the best jobs president in the history of the galaxy. So if he was going to do something that, uh, you know, for a lot of independent workers out there, absolutely crush them, what would this mean to, uh, you know, the hardworking blue-collar middle-class, uh, you know, families out there across the country? Well, it would mean many people simply lose their ability to work altogether uh, in their in their profession. Uh, in California, we've seen literally hundreds of professions have been adversely affected uh, by this law. I mean, you have people like court reporters or translators or uh, writers and editors or uh, truckers uh, to take a very uh, you know clear example. Um, you could have hundreds of thousands of truckers who are taken off the road. Uh, if this goes into effect, because many of them have the uh, business model of being independent owner operators. Yep. Uh, and so, uh, you know, and imagine what would happen then if you have hundreds of thousands of truckers who can no longer drive, that would just wreck further havoc on our supply chains uh, and our on our economy. So, uh, you know, given the state of our economy right now, uh, the absolute last thing that we need is a national version of AB5, and yet that's what Julie Sue uh, is dead set on making happen if she's confirmed. That's absolutely wild. We wanted to hear you say truckers because we've reported on this for a long time. We've had a lot of economists and supply chain experts that come on and specifically have referenced that uh, law and what it's done to the trucking industry in California. It's also contributed to the supply chain disaster across this country, and we're glad to see you pushing back hard on her nomination uh, You know, while she's up for the uh, labor secretary. Now, Congressman, you had mentioned Gavin Newsom's doing a uh, national tour. He's trying to tell everybody how awesome California is, regardless of our you know near $40 billion uh, operation in the red that we're currently incurring, the mass exodus out of state uh, that we've seen. You know, No state has, has lost more residents to uh, moving out of, of, of a place than, than California has over the last half decade, if not longer. You see a just crime, homelessness, 
drug epidemic rampant throughout the state. And uh, Gavin Newsom seems to, uh, you know, want to go around and claim he's done the best job. Not only that, but the way some Republican governors are doing, which is obviously a much better job than he's done here governing the state of California, that they're all wrong. And what they're doing is not as progressive or climate friendly for the rest of the world as uh, it is out here in California. You want to elaborate a little bit on what you've seen as, uh, you know, the governor of the state that you represent is out there doing his tour? Uh, sure. Well, the first thing to note, you know, is California actually has this law on the books that bans state travel uh, to red states um, using a variety of proxies about laws that are not woke enough or whatever, saying these are not states you can travel to. Uh, Gavin Newsom got caught vacationing in Montana uh, a couple times. And so now actually they're going to repeal that law. Oh. Uh, they've decided that it's not a good law anymore. And so that's kind of made, the, I guess, the, cleared the way for his his red state tour. And, you know, even Politico had an article a couple of days ago, basically saying that even the Democrats in these states are telling him to go home, that Newsom's uh, brand of politics uh, is is not welcome there. Uh, the, the head of the Democrat Party in Florida, the Democrat Party's leader said that it's not helpful for him to come and make comparisons between California and Florida. And of course, the reason is that Florida is so much better than California uh, across the board. Uh, meanwhile, you know, as the governor is out, uh, you know, going to Alabama and Arkansas or Florida, wherever he's going, uh, you know how you have the problems in our state just continue to grow and grow the worst homelessness in the country, the worst poverty in the country. We have, you know, these record storms right now. We're utterly squandering the water because we don't have the water infrastructure to store it. Crime is absolutely out of control, especially in Newsom's home of San Francisco. And yep. San Francisco itself is literally collapsing. This is the word that the San Francisco Chronicle used just the other day, that the city could collapse. They just revised their budget deficit to $270 million. And so this is what Newsom thinks we need to have uh, nationwide. It's a truly, uh, uh, you know, it would be comical if not for the fact that Joe Biden seems to believe him in many ways, for example, when it comes uh, to picking his labor secretary, Julie Sue, for his cabinet. You know, I do have to say, out of a lot of the candidates that probably do have the potential to get into the race on the Democrat side in 2024 and beyond, Congressman, I'm talking about, like, you know, ones that have already done it, Amy Klobuchar, Elizabeth Warren, obviously Hillary Clinton always is lurking in the background. She's doing a little bit of tour with one of probably your favorite representatives, Nancy Pelosi. I saw her do a couple events over the past week or so where they kind of had a little town hall format. And Gavin Newsom, uh, it does seem like the... Uh, the radical progressive left and, you know, wokeism and climate change is basically the, the counteraction for anything that the Republicans are dishing up. The only thing about that is it de it definitely negatively affects the children and it definitely negative eff negatively affects the budgets in every way, shape or form when you run on those platforms. How is it that the Republicans message may not be resonating as much as these people that go around and talk about, you know, a cleaner earth when it actually hurts the planet to just completely go green? And then, you know, things like gender affirming care and all this stuff that's going on with, uh, you know, there's so many issues and pushbacks on both sides of the aisle right now regarding the, the stuff that's going on with the transgender people. What do you think is, what are we missing here? I mean, you guys are obviously up there. You, you see it from like kind of a bird's eye view of everything that's kind of developing across the country. What do we need to do to get back to actually getting work done, getting legislation passed and, uh, you know, just doing the jobs that the American people need everybody up on Capitol Hill to be doing for them? Well, that's a great question. And I think that, you know, uh, part of the answer is in platforms like yours that are helping us to get the message out about what's actually going on. Because, you know, on the other side, uh, the, the far left, uh, you know, they have uh, uh, get very favorable treatment by the media when it comes to their narrative. Uh, and they have, uh, you know, um, a 
hold on many of our institutions like universities yeah. uh, or parts of corporate America uh, where, uh, you know, if you, you are essentially aren't allowed to say things that go against uh, the prevailing narrative where there's uh, often, uh, you know, serious, uh, you know, if not uh, direct sanctions, at least uh, indirect in terms of, uh, you know, the uh, the way you'll be treated or, uh, you know, maybe you'll even lose your job or maybe uh, you'll be castigated if you say something that goes against uh, what is viewed as the sort of established uh, liberal norm. And sure. so I think that that is uh, part of the real challenge we have in this country now is this chilling effect that has stemmed from the censorship we've seen at universities on social media uh, that's created a much larger cloud of, uh, you know, of silence uh, for, for many people who fear what might happen uh, if they speak up. And so uh, that's why I think that uh, it's so important that uh, what we're doing on the Judiciary Committee uh, in terms of uh, going back to the First Amendment and trying to restore uh, what the First Amendment is supposed to, the protection it's supposed to provide uh, and, the, and the culture it's supposed to create uh, in all facets of American life. And, you know, when you see what's happened just in recent days at the University of San Francisco or at Davis uh, or at Stanford, uh, it really is alarming. And yeah. I think that it is uh, it illustrates uh, why things have become so one sided in so many ways. No, you know what? That's that's pretty much it right there, Congressman. And that's why we like inviting you on the show so often. It's because, you know, you can go out and say, like, the obvious things that a lot of the pundits like to ride on, even some of the people that have been in Congress for a long time, unlike yourself. Uh, you know, that uh, Joe Biden is not smart. China is bad. What's happening to Donald Trump is wrong. But then, you know, when, when we'd like to make sure that our listenership understands that there is a lot of work going on in committee, subcommittee, floor votes, uh, and investigations that are working on behalf of the American people. And it's just not those top headlines that you sometimes see that are, you know, what people are working on in Congress right now that are most effective to making their lives better. And I think that's the, the honesty and the truth that we like to bring to our show. And that's why we like having you uh, today as we have in the past and look forward to in the future already, Congressman. We'd like to live link anywhere that you want to be followed, whether it be your congressional website or social medias today in the show description. Where, where can we uh, let our listeners know you are uh, well thanks very much for saying that thank you for what you're doing to uh, to help get the word out and yeah uh, twitter uh facebook uh, instagram is just at kevin kiley ca and then uh, my website just elect kevin com. this is one of the congressmen up there who's doing and uh working the good fight in congress for you all the representative from california's third district mr kevin kiley thanks for coming back on the show my pleasure thanks for having me all right that was congressman kevin kiley and this is Steak for breakfast. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the show. If you're a long-time listener, of course, welcome back. Hope everybody had a great Easter. Or if you're experiencing Passover, continued uh, happiness to that. But not much of a news weekend out here. And uh, Noah's going to be out of the office. we got a couple programming notes before we jump in today. He's going to be out today and Friday. Antoinette's out today. We'll be back on Friday, I guess, sitting second chair the CEO of the Patriot Cigar Company. We always love when he comes on the show with us. Co-hosting today, Mr. Alan Jacoby. Alan, welcome. What's going on, Ron? Not much. Not really too uh, busy of a news weekend in regards to uh, everything going on. We'll try to cover Joe Biden kind of uh, announced something. China was saber-rattling, and, and everybody had something to say about Donald Trump. We'll touch on all of that. But uh, besides that, I had a pretty chill Easter. Uh, went church. Super Mario movie dinner in that order and uh, how was that Super Mario movie? Uh, let's. I would say it was great fan service for everyone that likes video games and okay. uh, you know tracks everything that's going on in in, in Mario World and uh, as far as like promoting the woke agenda, 
and any of that crap that's tanking all of the Disney movies besides Princess Peach being a little bit tougher than she you know, is uh, portrayed in the video games, I would have to say that it was not bad. Chris Pratt did a good job of not having any woke BS uh, in the movie. And I think the box office reflects that nearly a $400 million opening weekend highest for obviously (laughs) the studio. And I think hammered frozen Two in regards to uh, openings for animated movies. And uh, it looks like they're ready to roll with a whole video game movie universe with like, Things like Zelda and, and obviously uh, a Mario sequel and then yeah. all, all the way up to like Super Smash Brothers, which would be like the uh, Marvel Avengers Endgame version on the video game side. So I thought it was pretty cool. My kids enjoyed it. It was a good day out of the house and uh, not having to worry about all the stuff that wasn't going on in the news cycle. But uh, besides <laughs> that, uh, we, we do have some reschedules. So apparently Donald Trump is going to be summoned back to New York this week to give a disposition to... Uh, Radical, I believe, attorney general from the great state, Letitia <laughs> Peekaboo James. So Alina ah, Habba, who was set garbage. to join us, yeah, she was going to join us today in just a bit. She, she's obviously, they put a lid on everything, uh, Trump world in regards to uh, their legal team, and, and she'll be joining us at some point in the near future, probably next week. In addition to that, John Solomon had hard reschedule today. He's going to be joining us now on the 25th of April, so we'll be able to uh, sit down and talk with the uh, one of the best investigative reporters and journalists in the game, John Solomon, then. So running with a skeleton crew today on like a skeleton news narrative but it doesn't mean there wasn't any news so obviously um for anyone that's tracking donald trump as hard as we do on this show saw him make his appearance at ufc on saturday night down in miami uh packed arena gave the 45th president a several minute standing ovation he was flagged by a delegation probably invited by ufc owner dana white he was also with kid rock and mike tyson and it didn't matter if you were a fighter completing your match and winning or were sports icons like, uh, you know, some of the people who were in the audience right there. Um, Everybody wanted to shake his hands. Of course, Mel Gibson was close to the front row. Everybody saw he, he again, like he always does, saluted President Trump when he walked past. And uh, listen, for the narrative that the mainstream media and and the broken system of justice that we have in this country is currently trying to portray portray the 45th president as or, or use against him, it's not working. Um, whether he goes to places like East Palestine, Ohio, uh, the Manhattan district attorney's office or down to a UFC event in Florida, the man is resoundingly and warmly received and seems to be beloved by people of all shapes, sizes, colors, and creeds. And you just can't escape that. Um, and I'm so glad that the media at some points has to actually cover the footage that's going on in real time because it shows and reflects a completely different narrative to what we're often told about Donald Trump. Um, you well, know, it just goes to show that when you see something live and unfiltered and sure. raw and you see the the natural response of American people like a packed UFC stadium in I believe it was in Miami, right? Yep. In, in, in Florida, Miami, Florida. And then you listen to mainstream media, media's narrative. If you can't figure out in this in this uh, uh, stage of the game who's uh, telling the truth and who's full of shit, you got more problems than you know because it's evident. I mean, the amount of people that that adore Donald Trump because of what he stands for. He stands for the American people, not for the deep state. And it's funny because you know if you notice the uh, R- Ron DeSantis didn't really get the uh, the 
response that Donald Trump did, you know, and it's, it's, it's just said a lot right there too. It certainly does. And, you know, it's like I mentioned, uh, obviously people like Dana White and Kid Rock who are staunch supporters of the president, like people who listen to country rock and promote UFC, they're probably going to have a lot more of a conservative base that would support people like Donald Trump. But then when you get, you know, Mike Tyson, Donald Trump's supposedly one of the biggest racists that ever lived on the planet traveling with him. <laughs> and, and, you know, then you have people like even take it outside of that. You want to go into the sports world where everybody in sports is supposedly like woke and you know, yeah. all for this progressive narrative. Uh, you got o Odell Beckham, who just signed with the Baltimore Ravens, superstar wide receiver, you know, coming down from the other side of the ring to shake President Trump's hand and take a picture with him. People that are, uh, you know, some of the biggest gamers and Twitch streamers on the planet taking pictures with him throughout the event. And, and like I said, some of the fighters and, and, and the fighters who won their events, everybody from white guys to black dudes were hopping over the, the, the outside yeah. of the octagon to shake his hand or tell him that they're a big fan of him. And, and uh, you know, it, it's, it says a lot. It kind of blows right through the narrative, which we all know is true, you know, for how the, the left has turned on Donald Trump as soon as he stopped financing all of their campaigns and, and you know, uh, PACs and lobby groups and think tanks is when they decided to turn on him. As soon as the hand stopped feeding him, they decided to bite it and bite it hard. But yeah. when, when you just see it. I mean, even in New York, when he went into the courthouse last week, there were there were some detractors there of, of you know, all shapes and sizes. But there were thousands of supporters uh, who who were equal in, in uh, you know, various demographics, uh, you know, not it wasn't just a whole bunch of like 25 year old white kids wearing MAGA hats. It was furthest from the case. And, uh, you know. It just goes to show you, you know, Donald Trump worked for the American people and that narrative uh, continues to stay with him now almost three years out of office. So I saw Jesse Waters sat down with Buck Sexton yesterday to talk about the massive shout outs and appreciation Donald Trump was getting at the UFC event. Let's hear them talk about it a little bit. You got a lot of young men in the audience, a lot of young athletes out there, a lot of famous faces. And those aren't paid influencers. Those are real people. How does that contrast with who Joe Biden's paying to tell people the guy's slick? Look, first of all, Joe Biden had been asleep for four hours by the time UFC 267 was underway there and, and Jorge Masvidal was speaking out. Trump uh, has a power over Biden in that he can stay up past midnight, which uh, I, I doubt Biden has been up past midnight in five years. Uh, but also, it's organic, as you mentioned, Jesse. Trump was sitting next to Kid Rock. He was sitting next to Dana White. He was sitting next to Mike Tyson. By the way, how fun would that quad be to be having dinner with when you consider all the different stories that are going out there? There is the picture. <laughs> Trump has iconic, charismatic appeal that Biden does not have. Without COVID to scare everyone, Joe Biden is going to get swamped. And here's a good question for you, Jesse. Why is Biden waiting so long to officially announce that he's running? That's one of the questions that I can't quite figure out. But it doesn't really make sense what he's doing unless, and here's my theory, he's trying to wait until Jack Smith, the DOJ investigation, tries to levy charges against Trump. And then he can lie to us all like he did about Charlottesville with the very fine people lie that he told. Trump didn't say that about Nazis. That was spread widely by the left wing. When Biden comes out and says, well, now that Trump's being investigated by so many different people, I've got to save the country and be normalcy. The problem is Biden's done. He can barely walk across the lawn to get on the airplane or the, sorry, the helicopter to fly to Delaware where he spent most of his presidency. He's going to get whipped no matter who the Republican nominee is. Well, no lying there from Clay Travis. I mean, he obviously says, you know, what we all know for sure, Joe Biden's 
decrepitness and, and his continued physical and cognitive decline mm-hmm. doesn't match in comparison where anything uh, you know Donald Trump has going on and and it's been the case for for quite some time I also heard uh, Clay mention you know he's not going to have COVID to scare everybody and as we touched on with Congressman Kylie not too long ago you know yesterday the Biden administration put out an unceremonious press release single page very few words Joe Biden might have actually written this one himself, uh, which states April 10th, 2023 on Monday, 10 April, 2023, the president signed into law HR resolution seven, which terminates a national emergency related to the COVID-19 pandemic. So though all of those executive and, uh, you know, power hungry authorities that the federal government, state legislators, governors, et cetera, had uh, to lock and shut down everything from small businesses to your schools and churches is now over at the federal level. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see on whether or not some of these radically progressive governors who, you know, still have extensions on this, some as late as May, I believe is the case with Kathy Holchul in New York and Governor Gavin Newsom out in California, who's doing not a national book tour, but a national Republican governors are bad tour uh, right now. You know, it, it's it's one of those things where we're not going to have this scare fair in regards to how things are going down uh, with the next presidential election. We're also not going to be able to demonize people like Donald Trump who holds massive rallies and things like that. So I definitely think that, uh, you know, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Joe Biden responds because, listen, at some point, Donald Trump's going to be hosting these rallies, especially in right. deep red states where you're going to have, I mean, it's legitimate to say anywhere between 50 and 70,000 people like we see in places like, you know, Oklahoma, sometimes Florida and in the deep South. And then Joe Biden's going to be filling up half of, of high school gyms. And there's always going to be opposition reporters that are going to not keep the tight angle and pan out and see outside of the curtains. There's, right. there's literally nobody there except paid labor unions or large groups of children that can't even vote in elections, as was the case during the midterm election cycle. Strategic photography. And let's face it, you know, there will be tons of people that are going to be paid to uh, attend Biden rallies and other rallies. I mean, they're already talking about paying people to go to DeSantis functions. So it's going to be wild when rally season goes you know, into full swing. And how they're going to spin this with, like you say, Ron, and we see it from time and time again now, the rallies are going to be out of control. The energy levels are going to be out of control. And the mainstream media and the left will still paint the picture of this man as as evil and a threat to America, a threat to democracy, along with every single person that attends the rallies. And like you said, you'll have high school auditoriums or college auditoriums with uh, strategically photographs of, of Joe Biden barely making a, a coherent sentence. I mean, it's, it's on, it's, it's wild that people will still buy into this bullshit. Yeah, no, it, it's a, uh, and unfortunately we saw that in the midterm elections where in a lot of cases they did a lot of, you know, high caliber candidates lost by very slim margins in, in swing States that uh, it just seemed like that message or, or, or the lack thereof that the legacy media and, you know, print press get out there was enough to push Joe Biden over the finish line. Now, I don't know if two more years of, of this Russia-Ukraine conflict and tanking economy, everybody's 401k is essentially a 
104 K now. And you My know, God. it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see. I did hear uh, Clay Travis mention Jack Smith and the special counsel. I did see on uh, this week, this weekend, uh, Roy Rogers enjoyer and Chris Christie weighed in on this regarding the 45th president. Let's hear him. Start. We're going to get to the, uh, the the court case, but I want to start with this indictment and the effect on, on our politics. Our new poll this morning, uh, uh, Governor Christie, shows actually significant downgrading of, 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 of Trump's favorability rating and view of this case oh. since the indictment was unsealed. Take a look at uh, take a look at this. The effect on independence. So. The question, should he have been charged before the arrest and the unsealing of that indictment? 40% of independents said yes. After, 54%. Should he suspend his campaign? About the same before, now more than half saying he should. Uh, I mean, what, 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 what's your take on this? It's kind of what I said a few weeks ago here, John. Like, no matter what he says and his people say, being indicted is not good for a political candidate. Like, that's just, you know, he can get some short-term bump among certain parts of our own party. But in the end, it's not good to be indicted. Now, we're not going to see a trial here probably until early 2024. Um, and so we won't see what the result is. But he's got other things. You know, it's kind of like trying to land at Newark Airport on a Friday. You, know, you got a bunch of planes circling, <laughs> and you don't know when exactly they're going to land. And if they land, when they're going to have a gate, you know. But it's coming. And being indicted, the public does still look at that and say, that's not what should be happening to a national leader. Oh. And, and, and you, heard, you heard Barr. He, he seemed to... Why? Uh, I think that there will be further indictments, that, that Jack Smith doesn't do all of this and decide not to indict. Look, I think that when, when you bring over a war crimes tribunal prosecutor oh. to be the special counsel, oh. those are generally not known as low-key men and women. Oh. Um, they're known as prosecutors typically who have blinders on and think that they have a job to do and they're going to do it. Um, now, I don't know what Jack Smith will or won't do, but that was not a compromiser that they brought over here. That was not somebody who they brought over to try to plead the case out. You know, and it's one of those things. Oh that's just the next case of the walls are closing in and Trump is finished. Um, and I'm still a staunch believer in the narrative that if they ever had anything on Donald Trump, they would have used it a long time ago. There's no silver bullet that they're waiting right before the next election in October surprise. But listen when I say... In 2024, there will be some kind of a manufactured October surprise. You can bet your bottom dollar on this and, and timestamp that on today's show. But in regards to actual things, I mean, everything from his taxes and public embarrassment, uh, fake impeachments and, and hoax investigations, there's very little left that I think would surprise the public. But I do have to go back. I, I did see a lot of polling over the weekend, um, you know, and and. The best that I can track it, I wrote some of the numbers down. When you collaborate a lot of the polls and mainstream media and print press that were out there, I would say close to 70% of the American public using all cross tabs, you know, they all pull from different pools. Some are weighted heavy Democrats, some are weighted heavy Republican. Around 70% think that the two-tier system of justice is being applied in this New York indictment with Donald Trump, uh, you know, yep. regarding Fat Alvin Bragg. But the interesting part to me, and, and we have to call it like we see it, an overwhelming majority, uh, over 50%, I, the number I got after you know, collaborating several different polls, 54% of Americans think that Donald Trump should at least reconsider 
pausing or abandoning his presidential reelection campaign because of this. And, and that goes into the fact that they're being misinformed about exactly what's going on here. Yes. Uh, also, also not to cut you off, Ron, I'd ahead. love to know the age demographic of the polls of the 54% of people who think he should reconsider or uh, pausing his campaign, people that think he shouldn't run because what I'm finding, and I've been talking to a lot of people is the older people, yeah. even uh, older than the boomer age. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm 43. I think I'm I'll be 44 in two months. I'm considered okay. a boomer. Maybe I don't know, but not even really my age bracket, but older, maybe five to 10 years older and beyond are the people that you're going to find that really have a hard time with the word indictment, yep. arrest, conviction, and charges. Yep. Okay. Now, the younger people from my age, maybe a little older on down, are all like, oh, this, this two-tier justice system, it's bullshit. This is all that the government is railroading this guy. And, and those are the people that uh, people like us and other people out there, like the Meme Alliance and everybody, really have to concentrate on rallying to the polls and getting involved. Like, listen, this is nonsense. I want the guy who the government doesn't want to be president as president. That's what I want because the government is shit. We all know it. We can't trust them. But, of, of course, it's the older generation that is hey, indictment's bad. He must be a bad man because they the very weird mentality in this country among sure. older people is they will judge you if you are charged with a crime and not convicted. You yeah. could be 100% innocent, okay? I, I'll be honest with you. I had this happen to me in, in, in a business uh, thing years ago where I was wrongfully arrested after an investigation and I was shunned by so many people and organizations and thing like uh, things like that as, as a bad individual because I was charged with a crime. And I threw my hands in the air and said, I'm taking this to the grand jury because I know my innocence. And, and, and thank God they saw it in the grand jury because they came back with a no true bill. There you go. And then they realized, like, listen, this was all nonsense. But, you know, it was really older people in my life that was like, oh, my God, you're charged with a crime. I can't associate with you anymore. Right. I wasn't convicted of anything. I didn't do anything wrong. Yep. You know, it, it's it's wild how, how people perceive that narrative and how it's formed and, and, and shown to people and how just how they perceive it. Yeah, and then when you see like the way with our federal government, even at the state level, like is the case with Alvin Bragg right now, and, and just like, you know, they get – all right, let's get out a whiteboard and write down every crime potentially Trump couldn't have could have committed over the course of his life. Everything to do with taxes and business dealings to trips and how it was paid for. And then when you get into the campaign element of it, every T has to be crossed, every I has to be dotted, or they can at least make the allegations that you may not have done something the right way, therefore indict you on it and make you fight yeah. to clear your name, which is the case with President Trump right now. I saw disgraced former ambassador and, and assistant to President Trump, John Bolton, was on Deface the Nation this weekend, and he was talking about, even as Donald Trump continues still to this day to rack up endorsements in his uh, 2024 presidential bid, him saying that it's big bad for people to uh, align themselves with the former president. Let's hear it. Seem to be avoiding explicitly defending Mr. Trump's actions and instead attacking the district attorney of Manhattan. But we don't know the details of these charges. We won't until Tuesday, if if then. Um, don't you see there being a danger for Republicans to do that because they are still aligning themselves with the former president, who I know 
you are sharply critical of. Yeah, I think it's a big mistake politically for Republicans to do that. And I think it's important to stress that in this case that involves hush, hush money to a porn star to cover up an affair that later involves cooking his company's books, you have not heard a single Trump defender stand up and say, oh, that's not the Donald Trump I know. Uh, and it goes to the question of character and fitness for the presidency. Uh, I think that uh, uh, Trump's obviously trying to attack the prosecutor and his supporters are following that. Look, prosecutors have broad discretion and they should, but they don't have unlimited discretion. Uh, if Trump thinks there's prosecutorial misconduct oh, here, mm -hmm. violating the laws, oh, violating the prosecutor oh. or lawyer's ethical obligations, he has plenty of opportunities to raise that. But if he can't show that Alvin Bragg has violated the law or violated the uh, ethics rules right. that are applicable, then he's got to run his own chances. And to my mind, there is a kind of rough justice here because it's deeply ironic that a person who spent a good part of his four years in the White House trying to weaponize the Justice Department oh. against his political enemies mm -hmm. is now saying he's the victim of persecution. It's sort of what comes around goes around, Mr. Trump. Well, what an absolute disaster and joke that guy is. I, I really hope that he decides to get into the ring officially. I know he made like a pseudo throwing his name in the ring uh, on some British talk show a couple months ago, but he hasn't formally announced his candidacy to run for president yet. But if he does... Donald Trump's going to light his ass up once again on the debate stage if he makes it that far. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, just some of the stuff he's saying is, and, and that's the thing, for the uneducated uh, politically and for the people who are just casual watchers of shows like uh, Deface the Nation, you know, you heard all those keywords. It was, uh, you know, uh, cooking the books, uh, hiding the finances, hush money, porn star. And when you keep hammering the American public with those words, you get into like a slippery slope of just what makes up for the numbers like in those polls I was talking about. You you have people that go out and say, well, well maybe you shouldn't run for president if there's like, I don't really know much about it, but I heard hush money porn star. And then, you know, cooking the books like that's bad. Um, that sounds really bad. That's that stuff that me, like a regular citizen, would go to jail for. So maybe he shouldn't be running for president again. And then, of course, he has to take the pot shot as they're getting ready to close the segment. And he spent the four years he had in office weaponizing the Justice Department over uh, against his political enemies. When nothing could be further from the case. Um you know, you either had Bill Barr who wouldn't do shit. Uh, you had Jeff Sessions who was completely inept and not prepared to do the job that he was needed to do. And then Matt Whitaker in the middle of that. All who, you know, I don't remember them ever weaponizing anything against any of Donald Trump's political opponents. They were out there, you know, doing work on behalf of the American people half the time. And the other half, they were combating half of the bullshit that the radical left was putting up against them, like the special counsel in both impeachments. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of exactly where we need to be right now, which is kind of in a lull as we're getting ready for this stuff to kind of ramp up again. I'm sure Donald Trump's going to do some uh, events in between, you know, doing his disposition in New York this week with Letitia James and then Georgia and, and January 6th down the road. And that's where we'll see the president in, in the best places he can be. Uh, guys, I just want to remind everyone, if you're listening today, no matter where it is, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, make sure you subscribe to the show when you do so. Please leave a five-star review and, and write a rating. we got a couple good ones this week. I'm going to read them uh, later in the show. And uh, in addition to that, social media is True Social, Getter, Twitter, Instagram, Find Steak for Breakfast podcast. Follow us. Hit the notification bell. You'll thank me later. And as we're getting ready to sit down with uh, New York Congressman George Santos here in just a minute, uh, I did see that uh, Kevin McCarthy enjoyer, maybe a little creepier than uh, most people, Frank Luntz, 
was talking, uh, you know, about President Trump, of course, uh, with, with the gang over at Joe Doucheborough's show, and uh, how maybe it's not such a good idea to be attacking Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, even though he's kind of allowed his Florida paid influencer industrial complex to run rampant against MAGA online. Uh, let's hear him kind of weigh in on what he's looking at in regards to this narrative. And by the way, wow. uh, I do have a lot of Republican friends. I do have a lot of, you know, most people I, I, I know voted for Donald Trump in 16 and a lot of them voted in 20. But man, when he attacks Ron DeSantis, everybody, he turns off everybody. They get really angry. Talk about that. Well, Straight Arrow News wanted to understand, and this is going to be up there within about 24 hours. And we've got a second segment where they talk about Ron DeSantis and Mike Pence and Nikki Haley. So you just seen a snippet of it. But what they're saying is that Joe Biden is the opponent, not another Republican. You know what? This is a Republican primary. Some of the candidates, for whatever reasons, Ron DeSantis, obviously, because they're waiting for the Florida legislation to finish the uh, rewriting of the resign to run law there. And people like uh, Mike Pompeo and probably Mike Pence, who can't afford to get in at the earliest dates financially, uh, are going to be, you know, sitting back just until about the right time to jump in and get whatever they need done to either promote their next book or audition for their, you know, cable news show that they're going to be co-hosting or contributing on in the future. And and everything else in between is complete bullshit. Every single poll out there, regardless of, you know, when you get away from the indictment stuff and the legal problems that Donald Trump is currently incurring and you only get into the Trump DeSantis, it's anywhere between a 20 and 40 plus point turn in Donald Trump's favor since this started versus Ron DeSantis, not not only in a wide open field with candidates who haven't announced with, but especially in a head to head matchup with Ron DeSantis. I saw a couple new ones today that shows Donald Trump's numbers are, are shooting through the roof in regarding this narrative. And I think Frank Luntz and, and obviously Joe Doucheborough and Mika are completely off the mark here, as they usually are. Anything that delegitimize Donald Trump or make him look bad, they're going to promote on the show. And anyone who will come on and give commentary about it, they'll continue to do that as well. Right. So I, I think, uh, you know, that was kind of the weekend that was regarding everything Trump world. And as we're getting ready to uh, key up with the New York congressman here, uh, we're going to jump over to him. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. Friends, I want to take a minute and talk to you about cigars. Whether you're on the golf course, fishing on the lake, or doing some yard work around the house, our friend Alan has got you covered. He's launched the Patriot Cigar Company. The tobacco is handpicked in the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Cigars are hand-rolled each three years. If you get a promo code STAKE here, you're going to get 15% off your total order. Every order over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, that's MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. All right, joining us next on the show, he's a congressman representing New York's 3rd District. Coming back again, one of our great friends, Representative George Santos. Thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you for having me back, guys. Hey, listen, there's two questions I got to ask right off the bat before we get anything started and get into the uh, meat and potatoes of uh, what's going on on top of Capitol Hill. Number one, who are you wearing? Number two, how is Vishbura? (laughs) I am not wearing Versace. (laughs) (laughs) Vishbura is doing quite fine. (laughs) He's one of the... uh, Steak for Breakfast listenership's uh, all-time fan favorites, and we miss him on the show, but we know he's doing a lot of hard work with you guys up there on the Hill. So 
we will uh, jump right into it. So, listen, I think there's a lot of stuff that you've been working on, but one of the biggest things our country saw yesterday was that Joe Biden finally signed H.R. 7. It was a Republican-led initiative that ended uh, the COVID emergency nationwide. Do you want to just talk a little bit about how you guys were working behind the scenes on that, Congressman, and uh, how big of a thing this is for uh, you know the Americans who have been uh, still dealing with some of the uh, lockdowns and masks and vaccine mandates that the Biden administration had implemented shortly after they came to power? Well, here's, here's, here's the reality. H.J. 7 has a benefit. The power grabbed over. Right. That's why they did it unceremoniously. They didn't really do a lot of media around it because they don't want to send a message to the American people to say, go hold your city accountable. Go hold your municipalities, your state accountable. Like, for instance, the uh, People's Republic of New York, who just extended the New York City in New York City, just extended their COVID emergencies. New York State did the same. The reality is, is the Biden administration knew they had to do it, but they didn't want to make it a big deal think of it because they didn't want to get their allies in other states in a tough uh, in a tough spot so the american people now need to go and pound the doors of their elected officials all across these states and cities who are still keeping the emergency the covid emergency powers quote unquote which i call it the power grab act emergency <laughs> for politicians to just do whatever they want with free reign and no accountability so if Joe Biden can sign it, I think Kathy Hochul can sign it. I think Newsom can sign it. I think Mayor Adams can sign it. And all of these Democrats across the country. Yeah, we're going to see a lot of these uh, elected officials, especially at the lower levels, like you mentioned, mayors and governors across the country, finding themselves in court uh, at some point in the near future if they're not going to get behind uh, the bill that Joe Biden signed and the fact that the COVID emergency is over. I mean, we still have to take precautions yeah. in regards to outbreaks and hot zones and variants and stuff like of that. Course. But when it, when it comes to shutting down businesses and uh, doing anything that negatively affects the uh, educational and social development progress of, like, let's say, our children in schools, we can't be doing that anymore. Yeah, look, so House Joint Resolution 7 essentially does all that. It, it brings us back to normal times. Yep. So enough of the power grab, enough of the overreach. Let's go back to accountability. Let's go back to oversight. Let's go back to doing things the way they should be constitutionally, where people have rights. We have rights as American citizens. And I'm glad to see those rights be restored today because I don't think a single American knew that when the Emergency Powers Act, uh, Emergency Powers Act was passed and approved, that they would lose and relinquish so many rights. And this is this is a great awakening so that we can start looking forward to life as usual, life as normal again, and where we can actually be free to do what what's our right, what's our constitutional right in this country. So I'm I'm very excited to see uh, HJ7 pass and get signed by the president. As are we. So some of the other things you've been working on uh, very diligently on is is staying on top of taxes and, and doing some stuff regarding foreign policy. I'm pretty sure that means like funding endless wars and starting new ones. You want to jump into both of those and let our listenership know some of the great work that you've been doing on, on those topics? Yeah, absolutely. So for my first my first my first bill introduced in Congress, uh, I'm pretty proud of because it's a very district focused bill. And I think it it helps California, New York equally. So I think you guys would appreciate it, which is the revision of the salt deduction to raise it to 50,000 cap versus the $10,000 cap now, which really takes relief, which really puts relief back on the middle class of America. And they're and we're not allowing them to be double taxed, which essentially the 10 K salt cap becomes a double tax in many states like New York, uh, California, New Jersey, Connecticut, so on and so forth. So I just think it's about time, especially after COVID that we give some relief back to the people. Uh, and, and, 
if anybody tries to make the argument about, oh, we're subsidizing, subsidizing your state, I'll remind states like Kentucky how much more money we send to the federal government than they do and how they get a dollar for dollar they send back and we get under a dollar of every dollar we send back. So who subsidizes you in that argument is a whole different story. But, you know, we can talk about this all day. Did, I'm going to ask you a question. Did you know that alimony is not uh, tax deductible? Really? So if you're paying, yeah, well, if, uh, under the Trump 2017 revisions, unfortunately, you know, big supporter of the president, but he made some policy flaws. And I think it's usually because of the people he surrounded himself with. But I think he's doing better these days. If you're paying alimony, you're paying taxes on that unrealized asset and, 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 and cash. And the person receiving alimony is not paying. It's not a tax deductible uh, income, which is really upside down and backwards. So what we're doing is we're going to be dropping legislation uh, within the next week where we are revising that. And I think this will have bipartisan support because it is a burden on people and specifically a targeted burden on men. Right. And, and this isn't about, you know, uh, a gender-specific situation, because there are women paying alimony out there, but this is predominantly a burden for men in this country. And I just don't understand why are, why are they being taxed on non-realized income. So we're going to put a revision in there. Hopefully we can get bipartisan support and pass a bill like that that I think really brings relief to the taxpayer base. And, and lastly, uh, a, big, a big issue for me is, Funding, uh, all these foreign affairs and all these foreign aids that we keep writing. We have homeless veterans, which is something that we should never allow to happen in our country. We have lack of funding for education. We have lack of funding for our law enforcement. But, for instance, we're sending a billion dollars almost a year to countries like Uganda. And they they share zero values with us. They they target women. They target people who, who don't follow their normatives of whatever gender and whatnot that's not the american people's uh, uh, philosophy we're about live and let live just don't push your stuff on me and we're all good right we're all equal we pay our taxes and we all you know live our lives why are we sending money to these people when we can be using that billion dollars to fund uh, taking veterans off the streets where we can fund our infrastructure properly where we can actually spend the money to to uh, better our quality of water in our country, our education system, our police officers. These are all things that need issues. So I introduced two initiatives. One is one is to, to stop sending foreign aid to countries that criminalize and discriminate against women's rights. And the other one is that countries that will kill or imprison people for simply being gay. And I think that's not a liberal position. That's a conservative position because why are we burning our money in countries that don't share our, our values or are the same sentiments as the American people? So, you know, and then obviously no war, enough with the endless wars, enough with going to war for other countries, enough with funding wars for other countries. We need to protect our own sovereignty and stop worrying about other people's sovereignty. I understand international relationships. I understand alliances, but it just needs to stop. We need to go into a, if if we're going to go to war, there needs to be a plan. It needs to have an end date. And it, we have just to stop funding these. these we got to stop being the, the world police at this point. It's, it's, it needs to stop. Yeah, the, the paying for the whole proxy war and fighting with countries that we know we're trying to uh – you know, get get the up on in, in in a geopolitical sense, namely Russia and China. You know, we saw a lot of people getting all huffy puffy this weekend about China conducting some, you know, drills off the coast of Taiwan. And and even though it's not warranted and and really not appropriated, the fact of the matter is, we don't need to 
immediately send troops to the regions to try and uh, escalate the situation when de-escalating it could probably happen, you know, behind closed doors in, in the way it has since, you know, the inception of our country. So we do agree with you on that. And then as far as the tax cuts go, I saw some of the states that you had mentioned, like New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, California, obviously highest uh taxes uh, as far as state income taxes go, some of the most expensive places to live. So fighting to get tax breaks for hardworking Americans in those states would obviously be awesome. We, we did see also that you've been at the forefront of really fighting for uh, women's rights. It seems after all the progress we made in the year where Title IX is in its 50th anniversary, we are taking a major step backwards as a society. And you've kind of been at the forefront of calling out this radical leftist hypocrisy to where essentially we are replacing women in, in every context with men. You want to elaborate on that yep. a little bit? I just think it's, I think it speaks for itself, right? We fought, women fought for years, true feminists, the true feminist movement fought for years for rights. And, and now these new day and age feminists are just giving it away to guys. So, I, I mean, Leah Thompson is, I guess, the most blatant example. I, I hate to be, I hate to, like, harp on the kid, but you were 400 and something ranked on the men's swimming team, and then overnight you say, I, I still want to be a, a star athlete. You say, I identify as a woman, and you become number one in the women's sport. So, and, and then you need to watch girls who compete and work their butts off to be good at the sport, to compete, lose to a guy, to a biological male. I mean, Caitlyn Jenner would be the perfect case. Like, I mean, if Caitlyn Jenner can get behind us and say it's wrong, I think it's common sense. That's an athlete, an Olympian medalist. I mean, like I said, live and let live. You want to live your way, you want to live, you do your thing. But in his former life, Bruce Jenner was an Olympian athlete. And yep. he, can, he could speak to this. From a personal standpoint, and if we can get Caitlyn Jenner to say it's wrong, I think we can all agree it's wrong. And I, I do want to harp back on one thing and, and just kind of like bring this full circle. You just can't get the left to make sense. <laughs> they'll attack you for not. They'll attack you for not supporting women, and in the same stroke, demolish women's rights by appointing men for best woman of the year or or best scientific women of the year or best female athletes. They're all men. (laughs) Where's the women? Yeah, it's a, It's wild to just see, you know, you see the White House giving out International Women's Day awards to guys and then men becoming the spokeswomen of, like, makeup products and and everything from that to, like, obviously Bud Light. We've seen that kind of heat up over the last couple weeks, and I I just am, like, watching it. I'm like, how is this the reality? We have literally made so much progress as a species, and this is kind of where we're at right now. We we have too much time on our hands, and we need to start focusing on some of the things that are more important, which— That is a problem. Yeah. Time. Jeffrey Starr said it best, and I think I can say it, too. 2020 gave us too much time in our hands and we were bored in our apartments and our houses. And all we kept doing was coming up with new BS. So what happens is day dem comes about like, what the hell is a day in a dem? You're a he or a she or you're a person. Absolutely. Enough of this nonsense. Like you're, you're just confusing the next generation into not even understanding proper basic grammar, grammatical structure using pronouns. There's no day in them period. You're either he or she. <laughs> Even if you transition from one to the other, you go from one to the other. That's it. That's it. 
Well, and then when you talk about getting into those things like gender affirming care and stuff like that, it just it kind of goes off the deep end for us and uh, is definitely not what we want to see happen into our children across the country at this point in, in our nation's history and, and kind of where we are, like I said, as a species. Congressman, last thing I want to touch with you on, I think it's really important. It's definitely something that's uh, kind of painting the narrative that is the background of the entire news cycle for the last, I don't know, seven plus years. We see President Trump and Governor DeSantis's primary race heating up. Governor DeSantis hasn't officially announced yet, but, you know, surrogates close to him have been announcing that they're starting a ground game in Iowa. Obviously, he's on a book tour in, like, the first five primary states, amongst some others. And uh, we, we've saw some new polling come out since the Trump indictment and his arraignment last week that shows President Trump is surging in the polls. The American people are starting to resonate with the message that he's delivering. For those up on Capitol Hill, everybody obviously has their own opinions and uh, endorsements and stuff like that. But where are you sitting right now on the fence? Well, I was I was down in uh, downtown Manhattan for the for his arraignment. I, I there's eleven Republican members of Congress in the state of New York. There in the vicinity of downstate New York, there's six of us. I was the only one who showed up, and Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia. Yep. I was the only Republican in this state in downstate. I understand the members who represent upstate. It's a trek, and it's not easy, and they have their agendas, but. I was the only one who showed up. I support the president. I've been with him since the day he came down the escalator in 2015 when it wasn't even cool to support him. I was made fun of by Republicans back then that he was wasting my time and he was nothing but a joke that Trump was all about Trump. Well, jokes on them. He became president and he became one of the best presidents in modern history, specifically for policy and economic sound policy, who took a lot of people out of poverty. And a lot of people were able to, to experience the American dream thanks to his policy. Now, I stood by him then. I stand by him now. I'm not going to take digs at DeSantis because he's a fantastic governor. He's done a fantastic job in Florida. I just think he should wait for 2028. That's just my opinion. And I think we would line him up very nicely. We're all part of the same team. We all want the same thing. But yes, I'm all full board with Team Trump. We like that endorsement, and uh, we like hosting you, Congressman. We're going to be live linking your uh, congressional website, so anybody that wants to support you in any way can uh, jump on in the show description today. But if anybody wants to follow you across social media, what can I live link for them as well? Santos for Congress uh, in all social medias, and that's Santos, number four, Congress. And you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And engage. I mean, look, I'm always willing to take the the tough questions. I'm always willing to talk about policy and, you know, just get stuff done. My, My motto is working for the American people. Oh, this is uh, one of the best Twitter accounts out there. He will jump in the ratio sections as well, and he's always pumping out the great stuff that they're working up there on Capitol Hill doing. This is the congressman representing New York's 3rd District, Representative George Santos. Thanks for joining us again on the show today. Thank you so much, Ron. Appreciate you guys. To get to this, the U.S. is challenging China by sending a Navy destroyer through waters claimed by Beijing in the South China Sea as China carries out simulated strikes around Taiwan for a third straight day. Look, I get it. We have to show strength to China that we would take up for Taiwan. But do we really have the resources right now, Congressman? Well, I think that we can definitely look at mustering up the resources and trying to build up the industrial base. It's certainly something that I've had 
multiple discussions within our armed services committee as well as for our foreign affairs committee but let's go ahead and paint the facts here you've got a uss vessel who has done continual joint operation training with the philippines and has for decades who are in maritime waters that is not violating law and it's ironic that the very country who just intentionally flew surveillance balloons over america violating our u.s airspace collecting intel and now we know that it was not blown off course but intentionally driven the way it was is trying to talk about violations this is also the same nation who is currently violating the taiwan straits median line by sending dozens of ships while it does simulation models on how it would strike and attack the sovereign nation the chinese are an adversary not an ally and america needs to realize that not only are they attempting to eliminate the u.s dollar from the global currency as we're seeing with even the recent discussions with the french president that is now uh, advising europe to uh, decouple from the u.s dollar but they're advancing their road and belt initiative they are utilizing russia as a proxy in ukraine to expand the eurasian border They've taken Africa with regards to its portage and railways and are pillaging the resources off of it. They have taken Oceania, which is what their real goal is, to cut off Western Hemisphere supply chain. And meanwhile, they're continuing to advance their goals because they see weakness invites aggression. And they saw that since the botched Afghan withdrawal. So we have to stand strong against China. We have to look at decoupling from China. And we have to start getting everyone else to recognize what their goal is as the next hegemony. Mm well, it was great sitting down with New York Congressman George Santos. And for all of the Steak for Breakfast longtime listeners, that was former DOD advisor, current congressman representing Florida's 7th District, Corey Mills, appearing on Fox News Sunday this week, who was talking about a lot of the things that we kind of unpacked for our listenership with retired Army Colonel Douglas McGregor last week, essentially the Silk Road Initiative and the fact that China has infiltrated all of these places in Africa and now they're manipulating France. And, and the goal for the CCP right now is to develop international railways basically around the world to where they don't have to worry about using places like the Taiwan Strait, which about 75 to 80% of the world's trade and travel uh, by way of vessel goes through. So, you know, they're working it on all ends right now. And it's in addition to uh, devaluing the American currency and, and trying to get it as, as not to be the world's reserve currency anymore. And, uh, very alarming stuff to see them saber rattling over the weekend. However, we still feel is that when it comes to hot war and physical invasion of Taiwan, we really don't think that that's going to necessarily be the case. As, as Colonel McGregor alluded to, there are enough people who are CCP friendly in Taiwan working at the highest levels of government right now that, that you know, maybe a, a slow transition back to normalizing relations with China and uh, kind of just pushing us out and be like, hey, you want to know what? We don't really need your protection and we don't really want war in the region anymore. Mm. Uh, it is a likely case if we continue to uh, go down this path of, of foreign policy, uh, non-expertise that we've been kind of, you know, pushing since Joe Biden took office. So, uh, Alan, I know you saw China was getting a little uh, wet and wild this weekend out on the uh, yeah Taiwan Strait. What do you think? I just I run all these scenarios in my head. You know, okay. Joe Biden's busy dancing with the Easter Bunny as the Easter Bunny in the press or in the press briefing room. K, uh, KJP is. Uh, you know, uh, talking about how President Biden is the most accessible uh, president out there. And, and we have China that wants to invade Taiwan or makes it uh, appears that they want to invade Taiwan. They're taunting us. They're turning countries against us. Basically, uh, like, you know, look at, at, at Macron and, and others where they say, well, yeah, 
United States is not a superpower anymore. They're laughing at us because of the joke we have installed uh, as the commander in chief and his regime. And it, it's just it's like the goal. You know, Joe Biden says, well, we want to compete with China. China does not want to compete with us. They want to destroy us. They want to destroy our dollar. They want to destroy our power, our our military power. And what is it? Destroy the United States, invade Taiwan. You're not going to do anything about it. Nobody cares. America's a joke. I mean, it, that, that to me is what seems like the goal is. And and they ha- they're running the timeline whatever's going on in Russia, Ukraine. And, you know, Xi Jinping is not a stupid individual. And I, I just believe that he's a lot smarter, unfortunately, than the uh, the powers that be in our country. It's so embarrassing to say. I, I don't see good things happening. Well, we're struggling here. And nobody's do any, doing anything about it other than when asked a question, laughing it off and telling us, well, the public shouldn't know this and everything's fine and that's a lie and Donald Trump is bad. And people that wear MAGA hats are terrorists and don't say based or Chad or red-pilled because we're going to come after you. And and it, it's it's really a clown world. There's so much to unpack there and it's just, it's scary, Ron. It's scary. Well, the good thing is we'll be able to unpack a lot of that and more, especially the national security apparatus narrative with former chief of staff to the DOD, great friend of the show, Cash Patel, in just a few minutes. But I did see uh, one of the armed services chairs was actually in Taiwan over the weekend, Representative Michael McCall. He joined uh, NBC's Sunday show to talk about kind of what it looks like on the ground in Taiwan right now and and some of Kevin McCarthy's narrative regarding it. Let's hear him. i play something that uh, Speaker McCarthy said because he it, it seemed to at least shift a perception of where he is on the issue of Ukraine. Let me play it. I think what's happening in Ukraine is an atrocity. And I think Ukraine, not just Ukraine, the world has to win there. What Russia has done is wrong. In a phrase that I use a blank check, I use that for anything. I look at every dollar uh, of taxpayers that we would use. But the one thing I know that in Ukraine, we have to win because it also would uh, save Taiwan at the same time. Uh, are you reassured now and should the Ukrainians, should President Zelensky be reassured that House Republicans are not going to stand in the way of more aid to Ukraine? You know, I traveled with uh, Kevin, uh, Speaker McCarthy, to Poland, Romania. He's always uh, believed that this, felt this way. Uh, when you're over here, Czech, when you talk to, and I've talked to the, the prime ministers and the presidents of Japan, you know, South Korea, Ta- Taiwan, uh, what's happening in Ukraine uh, will determine what happens uh, in Taiwan and the Pacific. I think the Prime Minister of Japan going down to Ukraine mm-hmm. to signal uh, their support. And he said himself, what happens in Ukraine today will happen in the Far East tomorrow. I believe the best deterrence uh, to Chairman Xi is a failure for uh, Putin in Ukraine. And I can only hope that a failure means a negotiated resolution to this armed conflict right now. I think Kevin McCarthy's statements were extremely vague uh, by saying Ukraine needs to win. Uh, Hopefully that piggybacks off the, you know, sentiment of so many others that say like John Kirby and Joe Biden, that Vladimir Zelensky gets to call the win, whatever he decides the win will eventually be. And that win ends with some kind of as much as it could look like peaceful resolution as possible. I did see that the 
Wagner Group now controls nearly 80% of Bakhmut, which is like the hottest zone in all of Ukraine right now. They're hanging their flags. They're doing TikTok videos and uh, completely leveling what's left of that city and and have essentially destroyed the only way in and out for Ukrainian supply uh, routes as well. But at the same time, you see Ukraine getting ready to launch a little bit more of an offensive when the ground dries up, uh, you know, using tanks from their European allies and, and people like Great Britain. So while it still seems like there's a little bit of meat grindering ahead, uh, I do hope that this conflict is peacefully negotiated out as quick as possible because that will lead into what Colonel McGregor said last week, that diplomatically dealing with the CCP and eventually getting a Republican in the White House who can um, you know, trade and tariff them and tax them into oblivion will be the only way to handle where they're at right now. And it seems like China, Russia, and a lot of the strong geopolitical foes of the United States are doing everything they can to put stop gaps in the way of that ever happening. Um, I saw Ron DeSantis and Joy O'Brien Kilmeade hosted uh, Senator Tom Cotton the other day talking about Taiwan and, uh, you know, China and the stuff that was going on there over the weekend. You know, he Tom Cotton's kind of a middle-of-the-road advocate. Sometimes he likes the military-industrial complex. Sometimes he likes peaceful resolutions. He's not as hardcore as the real-life Mr. Garrison, Lindsey Graham. Oh. <laughs> but, the, but at the same time, you know, he, he's been one of those people that has always ran on uh, on the policy platform of because I'm a vet, I have to support hot wars. So let's hear them kind of talk about what happened over the weekend. Brian, we should always take China's drills around Taiwan seriously. It doesn't just degrade Taiwan's military readiness because they're diverting from operations and training and maintenance to uh, defend their island, but also as a way of kind of camouflaging or probing Taiwan's defenses and lulling the world into thinking, oh, it's just another drill, so that one day if they go for the jugular in Taiwan, uh, people may be slow to answer the bell. One thing I want to point out, too, is that uh, Communist China's initial responses to Speaker McCarthy's meeting with President Tsai last week was fairly consistent with their historical practices. Then you had the French President Emmanuel Macron fly to China take a bunch of French businessmen with him trying to hustle up business with the communists in China. And and then President Macron basically said, well, if there were a war in Taiwan, we're not sure we need to be a part of that. We just leave Taiwan and the United States on their own. And then China begins to step up the intensity and the extent of their military operations. I think it's a very good example of how dictators like Xi Jinping or Vladimir Putin respond to weakness and appeasement and signaling from Western leaders. That's one reason why it's so important that President Biden signal strength and resolve in defending Taiwan if China ever does go for the jugular. All all I could say to the congressman, and and I got a lot of respect for Tom Cotton, good luck with that. So yeah. I don't know what strong and unwavering resolve from someone like Joe Biden looks like. Is that like him getting up the stairs onto Air Force One without <laughs> completely eating shit or, or what? Because, you know, we're, we're just not there. And, and when you see Millie and Austin have the millstones around their neck from the Afghanistan retreat and uh, congressman calling for their heads figuratively, of course, as well. Corey Mills, obviously, um, you know, drafting articles of impeachment for Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. And then all this stuff kind of going on. And, and the Republican house which has done a great job to get the 118th congress kicked off pretty much to this state they can't even take a victory lap on joe biden signing hr7 ending the covid pandemic because xi jinping goes and runs military operations and uh for for the peace through strength delegation of the party you have all these people like 
It seemed it seemed like everybody who went onto the news this weekend was really uncomfortable about giving a narrative that would be a receipt down the road. And yep. it, it all kind of went with like, this is not okay. Xi Jinping is bad. France is pissing us off. Joe Biden has to be strong. And it seems like everybody figured out their own way of kind of how to spin that and kind of makes me feel uneasy, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah. How much of how much how much of the rest of the world uh, rely on the United States for something for, for one thing or another? When you light us up head to head with China, I think China beats us in a lot of a lot of areas. I'll tell you, it's 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 to the point where you get a Republican with balls that just says, you know what, we're going to shut it down. We're going to pull every military asset out of every country. We're pulling them all home. We're done with everybody. We're closing the borders. You can travel for business. You can travel to see family. And we're not giving aid to anyone. We are ending it all. And we're going to do what we have to do to rebuild our country. And we're not even going to respond diplomatically to anybody. And uh, and, and and tariff and cut and, and just do what we have to do as a country. I, I, I say that because I feel like we need we need a reset. We need to hit the reset button and say, hey, what are we doing here? We are so screwed right now. And it's just getting worse and worse on every front. And, and, and obviously that's not a plausible solution, but it's it's one of those things where I feel it in, in, in just myself where the more and more I think about it, Rowan, I don't care what happens to Taiwan. I don't care what happens to Ukraine. I don't give a shit what happens to anything outside of this country. I truly don't. Maybe it's not the right attitude to have. Obviously, diplomatically, it's not. But it's just, what are we doing? What are we doing here for us? Well, I do agree with you partially there, Alan, at the very least, because remember, Donald Trump did do uh, a lot of that, especially with our foreign uh, military bases in other countries where, you know, yeah. they would say, well, we're already here providing physical protection. Let's take it up a level. Let's sell you guys jets. Let's sell you guys cannons. Let's sell you guys uh, anti-aircraft and anti-tank weapon systems. And they'd be like, oh, no, 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 we, we don't we don't need any of that. We get that from China. And, and Donald Trump's like, you get your military equipment from China and the countries would be like, well, yeah, we've always gotten them from China. And he's like, so we are here physically to protect you. And God forbid anything happens. You'd be fighting alongside. You'd be fighting alongside of us using Chinese weapon systems. Well, yeah, Donald Trump's at some points would be like, you know what? We're going to fold it up. We're going to yeah. slowly pull out. And then you could have China come in here and defend you. And that's when a lot of the countries would be like, Oh no, we don't want to lose American military might in our country. We, we want your protection. We want you to stay here. He goes, good. Well then you're going to start doing multi-billion dollar contracts with some of our, well, people in the military industrial complex to get those uh, orders done and start getting you guys, you know, your versions of Raptors and, and F-22s and F-25s, things like that. So, but at the same time, whenever that happened, racist, misogynist bigots were the biggest things that, you know, were tied to Donald Trump and all of his foreign policy advisors. And uh, it, it worked counterproductive. And now we're seeing in a case where if you just don't do anything, the world yeah. is running rampant against the United States. And, you know, there's a really good narrative to start now because we're having Cash Patel. Uh, he's loading up in the chat as we speak. We're going to sit down with him in just a moment. But before we do that, let's hear from one of our partners. You know how you've gotten that chewy, hard, disappointing jerky from the gas station? Oh! You gotta try some of this jerky we just got from Farmer Bills. It's soft and tender because it's cured and air-dried instead of dehydrated, like that other junk. Ingredient conscious, there's no sugar, no soy, or other additives, just beef, salt, and spices. Working on those gains, it's protein on the go with a very respectable 32 grams of protein per two ounces. That's twice the amount of that other jerky. So if you like to support small business and you like your food source in the USA, order some Farmer Bills with the code STEAK for an extra five bucks off. Buy a 12 pack, you can get free shipping. The only thing better than this tender jerky is supporting an American-made company that shares your values. 
Get yourself some Farmer Bill's traditionally air-dried beef jerky today. All right, joining us next on the show, he's the former chief of staff to the DOD, deputy director of national intelligence, PAPS enthusiast, hit record producer, Mr. Cashfield, <laughs> thanks for joining us on the show. <laughs> Great to be back with you boys as always. Oh, pleasure's all ours. How's everything going with you? Uh, busy times? I mean, President Trump's been bouncing around everywhere from a Manhattan courtroom to Waco, Texas for a rally. Uh, after party, the first ever presidential indictment after party in the history of presidential indictments. Uh, what can you say about everything that's going on in Trump world right now? Seems like, as far as the poll numbers go... He's like an inch or two away from getting over 60% in some of the most reliable polls out there, uh, which we don't always necessarily trust, but we do know most of them are not pro-Trump. So when we see numbers getting that high, it surely seems like the president is being able to overcome anything the radical left is throwing at him right now. Yeah, look, I'm with you on the poll stuff. I don't really pay attention to any of it. But um, when you have other media outlets reporting that Donald Trump's popularity is on the rise, well, then it definitely can't be fake news since it's the fake news outlets that are saying it. Um, you know, it's one of those ipso facto things, right? Let's use some fancy Latin and chuck it back in their face. Uh, the reality is even those guys, the bozos at MSNBC, Scarborough, and the idiots at CNN, Don Lemonhead, and all these other people can't run away from the fact that this prosecution has completely backfired to expose not any feelings about Donald Trump one way or the other, but that a two-tier system of justice that we've been talking about in this country has been created under the Biden administration, before that even with the deep staters in the Trump administration, to target politically oriented um, objectives rather than facts in the law. And now we just learned that Christian houses of worship had FBI sources yep. going in and out of there. That if you use the words based and red-pilled, uh, the FBI is going to label you a domestic terrorist. Oh. I proudly put out a truth this morning on Truth Social that said, good, now this brown man is a based domestic terrorist. Have fun, FBI. This is the most absurd law enforcement weaponization in United States history. And they don't stop. No. Keep telling people it's not going to stop. It's what's next. Yeah, it was Trump's indictment this time, but what's next? Who's going down next? What rabbit hole are they going down next? What new system of justice are they going to prop up that's not based on law and fact? And that's the scary part. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and speaking of what's next, you know, we were going to have Alina on the show today. She she comes on the show frequently. She always gives great takes on everything that's going on with the president, commentary on cases she's not working on, and then whatever she gets specified on cases that she is for 45 but the fact of the matter is she had to cancel last minute today because President Trump is, is apparently going to get dragged back up to New York to have to give de deposition to uh, one of his great friends, Letitia Peekaboo James, I believe he calls her, on True Social. <laughs> and uh, when you talk about the misuse of the justice system, the two-tier system as well, what can you say about this next step in regards to, listen, after seeing what was not in the indictment that was unsealed last Friday, this is obviously just something to demoralize and embarrass the 45th president. Obviously, it's not working, and we saw how much it's not working when he appeared at a you know, the UFC event this weekend to a, a packed arena down in Miami and received a, several uh, minute standing ovation. In addition to that, a great majority of the fighters who finished their matches as winners hopped out of the octagon to, uh, you know, take a picture with him and tell him how awesome that he was as well. But when you see stuff that's coming down with like what's going to happen in New York again this week and then with Georgia and Washington, D.C. still in the uh, still coming down the pike, the, the justice system's broken cash. What can we do to, to, to start to fix this? Yeah, it's broken. And these these the 
events with Letitia James as civil matter in the New York State Attorney General's office, Alvin Bragg, New York District Attorney for Manhattan, Georgia, elsewhere, shows us that the two-tier system of justice is not just a DOJ FBI creation. Right. It's in every county and every courtroom in America that hates Donald Trump, dislikes conservatives, and doesn't want the America First movement to succeed. And that is the brilliance that Donald Trump touched upon to say, they're coming after me, but you're next. And he's right. If they are going to continue these politically motivated prosecutions and send sources and government informants into our houses of worship and come after us because we dare to say based or red-pilled um, or use terminology that is completely appropriate, has nothing to do with being a terrorist, um, then I find it ironic that the FBI is targeting me, a guy who used to be a terrorism prosecutor. But that, you know, <laughs> we'll come back to that. Um, but that's all to say, how do we fix it? First, you got to identify it. Half this country still doesn't believe that that's an actual reality. Right. That's a neo. That's a neoconservative, neocon, crazy right wing lunatic talking point. Just like RussiaGate. Oh wait, we got that one wrong. Just like Jan Six. Wait, we got that wrong. Just like Ukraine impeachment one and two. Wait, we got those wrong. The Mar-a-Lago raid. No, Hunter Biden. Wait. So now what they're seeing is these cascading news cycles that they have been lied to by the fake news mafia who is just as responsible for the two-tier system of justice as the government officials, is the same ones they need to run away from if we are going to demolish the two-tier system of justice. Yes, we need elected officials. Yes, we need to win elections. But we need Americans to go out there and realize that they have been lied to, not just for like a week, but six, seven, eight years. Once they start doing that, then we can start building a bridge to fix this system by winning the elections but the elections of consequence are still 18 months away we got a long way to go whatever the polls say now i hope they're right of course i want donald trump in office but what they say in 18 months we don't know what's going to happen between now and then which is why we have to use this momentum to educate every single american who thinks we were lying to them and it's not a he said she said i win you were wrong that's not the point right the point is Get over here and help us fix this. What are your ideas to fixing this two-tier system of justice that we now agree exists? Just agreeing on that alone is a huge win. No, it certainly is. And, and you know, you mentioned all the stuff that's going on with some of our federal law enforcement agencies. Aside from all, you know, we're, we're reaping the, the rewards right now of what happens when people like George Soros can donate to PACs who wind up promoting and elevating these, you know, radical leftists into offices like Alvin Bragg's. But uh, I did see it's been, you know, broken in the last 48 hours or so that there was some definite coordination regarding the Mar-a-Lago raid between the Joe Biden White House, the Department of Justice and the FBI. Hate to say that we told you so again, but here we are telling everyone that we told you so again. So when you see stuff like that going on and what they're trying to do to President Trump, how does the Biden regime not incur any kind of consequences for like these coordinated efforts to try and delegitimize Donald Trump's 2024 run and just him as a person, cancel him out, you know, lawfare everyone around him. So they get so tired of having the FBI and the ATF and the IRS show up at their house that they just say, you want to know what? This isn't worth it. None of that stuff is working, but it's definitely happening behind the scenes. What, what, what does it make you, uh, kind of look at when you see that the Biden administration at first denied any knowing of this going down and now seeing that people directly connected to Joe Biden and the Oval Office was basically leading this charge behind the scenes and approving everything as it went along. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I called him out th- that day yep. on Truth Social in my show, be- not just as a talking point to say you're lying. I said there's the way government works is there's no way the White House Counsel's Office wasn't contacted by the Department of Justice to say we are going to raid the former president's household, the guy that's running against your current boss. I know how those operations work. And the DOJ, shockingly, contacted the White House Counsel's Office. The White House Counsel's Office had to waive some privileges in order for that raid to occur and for them to collect evidence. So, of course, they were in on the orchestration. And that's why we said that back then on the same day calling out that lie. And now it's finally being reported. Oh, wait, you guys were right. Yes, because we don't go out there and lie. That's what you do. And the reason that so many Americans are still being misled by disinformation is the fake news mafia. That is the reason that there are no consequences for Joe Biden. That is the reason when six uh, Christians are murdered in a school in Nashville, Joe Biden is 18 states away taking a nap. That's why when Kamala Harris, who goes to Tennessee last week, doesn't bother to visit the families of the school of those that were murdered. That's why Joe Biden doesn't get into trouble for not going to East Palestine. And that's why Donald Trump's so brilliant to do so. I wouldn't be surprised if Donald Trump ended up in Tennessee. The point is the media lets Joe Biden get away with it. And what's he doing now? Yesterday he was trying to dance with the Easter Bunny and talk about rolling eggs up a hill while declaring his presidency, but not really. And now he's over in Ireland doing what? I don't know. Not that there's anything wrong with the Irish or Ireland. Love them. Um, Guinness, great product. (laughs) But there are more important things that need to be addressed right now than going to his ancestral home of Ireland. Like Macron bending the knee in Beijing to Xi Jinping and coming back and saying, USA, we don't care what you think anymore. We are not going to respond to how you see the uh, maneuvering in the South China Sea. Talk about a hit to national security. The classified leaks from the Biden administration. I think they lied about that. They said they just briefed the president last week on the leaks, but the leaks happened a month ago. What the hell were they doing? Leaks about Ukraine, Mossad, troop movements and operational command authorities, China. You didn't brief the commander in chief, but you told the media it was a lie for a week and said, oh, it's it's fake. And now you cop to it. And what are you going to say next? It like the Afghan withdrawal was Donald Trump's fault that happened on your watch. I mean, this is what these morons are going to say, but they're allowed to say it and get away with it because the media lets them because they let John Kirby who is one of the worst government gangsters, who is the spokesperson for the National Security Council, go to the podium at the White House and tell the world that he, quote, did not see the chaos in Afghanistan, end quote. That he did not see the chaos from scores of Afghanistani citizens plunging to their death thousands of feet off of our C-17 transport planes. That he didn't see the chaos when the Biden administration drone struck seven Afghani children. That he didn't see the chaos when Biden and his administration unlocked the detention centers at Bagram Airfield and let out the suicide bomber that killed 13 of our American soldiers. He didn't see the chaos in that. Then this guy, this government gangster Kirby, comes to the podium yesterday when asked about the intelligence leak, the illegal classified leak of sensitive intelligence, when specifically asked, how bad is it and can we contain it? His response was, quote, I don't know. That might be the only truthful thing that guy has ever said. But the fact that he said that should scare every American 
who cares about national security and how far it has fallen on Joe Biden's watch. Oh, that's an excellent point there. We've never seen anybody beside as bad as KJP and John Kirby be able to just flat out lie from the podium and just spew the regime speak at, at behest of Joe Biden and all the handlers that are around him. And then the last thing I wanted to elaborate on with you, Cash, you started to mention it. Those Pentagon paper leaks, this says a lot about what's going on, not only how much non-confidence the people who are working under our leaders in, in the defense sector right now uh you know see them as but the fact of the matter is that they they are like creating huge national security issues by putting this stuff out on places like telegram and things like that what can you say to the level of where we've come to i mean there was a lot of leaks about bullshit narratives during the trump administration that we could all pretty much find laughable everything from like you know the the russian bounties all the way up to donald trump likes two scoops of ice cream and gives everybody one but when you're talking about the amount and, and the legitimacy and, and a massive effect that these documents that are getting leaked online right now could have what does it say about the current state of of everything going on leadership wise up on Capitol Hill and in Washington DC right now that they care more about politics than they do about defending this country. It's there been it a is. constant theme. And I've been the guy that's been out there cheering for president Biden to succeed on the national security mission because it's an apolitical mission and he can't fail on it because it hurts every single American and the rest of the world. And when you talk about a classified leak of this magnitude, which we will find out that they have known for a long time that they covered up and lied about it, that they do not have it contained that our allies are probably fit to be tied over this kind of leak because it implicates them directly. Yeah. And that our administrative uh, government here doesn't know how to track down the leakers because they don't want to. This information is so sensitive that only a few folks have access to this type of intel. So it's not like it's hard to trace down. And they're talking about people who took photographs and posted it online. Well, that's traceable too. And what does this DOJ do? Oh, now we're launching an investigation. Where were you a month or two months ago when it happened? Why hasn't this leak been stopped? We don't even know that. Is there more coming? This is the most detrimental leak since the WikiLeaks publishing in 2013. Yep. And we still don't know the magnitude of it. If this happened on the Trump watch, this would be the end all be all to say we must remove President Trump from office for causing such a disastrous leak on his watch. But Joe Biden gets basically rewarded with are you going to run for president again? Uh, yeah, of course I am, but I'm not going to just announce just yet. I have to roll an Easter egg up a hill. I mean, this is literally the media's fault. The media are equally, if not more culpable than the government gangsters like Milley and company, DOD, who leaked this information, allowed it to happen, and have no grasp on its control and operational effect for U.S. forces downrange. These people live and die by the headlines they receive, by the CNNs and MSNBCs and all the other garbage programming out there. And Americans need to realize it's an everyday fight that you were lied to. And we're not attacking you for watching those programs, but we're telling you there's an opportunity to learn the truth and get on the side of protecting America and get on the side that is Donald Trump's America first platform. And you might not like him personally, but do you like our children being killed by Chinese fentanyl? Do you like these hate crimes and school shootings? Do you like being unlawfully targeted because you decide to go to church or a mosque or a temple and pray with your family and friends? 
You guys are next if this police state continues. And that's been the central theme of Donald Trump's platform, the two-tier system of justice in 2023, which is why countries in South America are telling American leadership, don't dictate to us how to run our judicial system. Yours is worse than ours. And you know what? They're right right now. Oh, they certainly are. And and I think you're right in the narrative there, Cash, kind of letting our listenership hear just the latest updates on everything that's going on, not only in Trump world, but the the national security state and all things in between. Listen, as always, we're going to live link fight with Cash, your great organization in the show description today. Obviously, everybody that wants to follow you could find you on True Social at one place only, and that's at Cash, at K-A-S-H. Go by Government Gangsters. We're suing the federal government. They won't let this manuscript out. We're getting it out this summer. You can get your pre-sale copy right now. And as Donald Trump calls it, the roadmap to winning the White House in 2024. It certainly is. And we're looking to have you back with Devin Nunes the next time you come on. Yeah. Uh, after a little break, we'll do a Government Gangsters Preview Edition special of uh, Elk <laughs> for Breakfast. And uh, we'll always be looking forward to that, as is all the time that you're on the show with us. This is the former chief of staff to the DOD. His resume gets bigger every day. The guy likes paps. He eats more elk for breakfast than anybody you'll ever meet. Mr. Cash Patel, thanks for coming back with us on the show. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day. Uh, what's the message that you have, you and Dr. Biden have for, for our nation? We reach out to somebody. Do something nice. Just a simple act of kindness. I mean, it's not complicated. And it's amazing what happens. Open the door for someone. You know, pick up something if they drop it. Move and just say hello. I mean, I, I really mean it. I just think we're, we've gotten much too tense as a nation. I just oh. think we have to be a little more open. A lot oh. more kindness. Yeah, oh. Absolutely. <laughs> So this is a fantastic event, one of my favorites of the year. I was just wondering, uh, uh, Mr. President, uh, will you be uh, taking part in the Easter egg rolls uh, after planning on after 2024? Well, I plan on <laughs> at least three or four more Easter egg rolls. At least oh. three or four more? Maybe, maybe, maybe five. Maybe five. <laughs> maybe, maybe six. Oh, oh my are, God. Are you saying that, uh, that you would be... Uh, taking part in uh, our upcoming election in 2024. Well, I'll either be rolling egg or you know being the the good you know the guy who's pushing them out. Come on, oh. help, a bro- help a brother out. Make <laughs> no, some news no, for no, me. No, no, no. Well, I plan on running out, but we're not prepared to announce it yet. All right. Oh. I th- so nice. Thank you for having oh, us. Good, up here. So painful. Thank you, Doctor Biden. Have fun. Have I noticed fun all your today. cameramen want to put down their cameras and go get some of those Easter eggs. That's right. Oh. We're going to afterwards. Oh. We'll make an egg salad. Oh. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Oh. God. Well, that was the leader of the free world celebrating Easter on the lawn of the White House this weekend after his uh, dinner the night before at, as he mentioned earlier in the segment over at Camp David with Hunter Biden and friends. You know, man, I, I, what do you say? You're you're either the man rolling the egg or the guy pushing the mouth. And what was he talking about? Everyone should do something, an act of kindness. What was it he was babbling about in the beginning there about the most divisive president since Barack Obama, right. uh, you know, pedo Hitler speech and everything in between. But do something nice for somebody. Open a door for somebody, you know, just do, just do us a favor. Don't look at your watch while they're unloading 13 dead service members bodies from a C-130 bomber after they were just blown to bits in Afghanistan. Go to Tennessee. Go to East Palestine. No, you're right, Alan. It it was uh, kind of where we're at right now. It's ugly. It's ugly to say the least. And and I I can't. Do you think he's going to announce? Do you you really think this 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 moron, this bag of 
just flesh and bones is actually going to announce that he is running for re-election. Well, is that at, really going to happen? I look at it this way. The longer he waits, and we're essentially in May, there's a week and a half left in April, you know, the harder it's going to be for if he decides not to run for anybody else to make headway that doesn't have a national apparatus set up already. And like I always says, this comes back to people like Hillary Clinton, people that have already, you know, ran for president like Amy Klobuchar and uh, Elizabeth Warren. It makes it harder for people like Gavin Newsom, who obviously the party wants to prop up, mm. people like Gretchen Whitmer and uh, Pritzker up in, in, you know, Illinois. It makes it harder for them to get into the this race coming up here in 2024, which may be part of the plan, um, simply because there's a lot of work you have to do to set up a national ground game. And listen, I do want to reiterate, and, and I, we try to circle back to this as much as we can on the show because it's very important. There's going to be a lot of people over the course of the next two years who tell you everything under the sun, how the presidency is going to be won. But just based off the map and the path to 270, I, I got to keep reiterating it for everyone who's a longtime listener of the show because it's the only place that you're going to hear it because everybody else gets paid ridiculous amounts of money to tell you otherwise. Mm. People always talk about national independence, national soccer moms, the abortion issue, this, that, and the other thing. In the 2024 presidential election, essentially, unless like an earth-changing possible like nuclear something somewhere regarding like Russia and Ukraine, right? Unless something like that happens. Every state that's historically voted blue in the last half dozen elections and every state that's historically voted red in the last half dozen elections are still voting blue and red no matter what. Nothing's changing. The 2024 presidential election comes down to five or six swing states and less than 100,000 votes to determine who will be the president in 2025. That's it. There's no other narrative. There's no other scientific equation around it. Uh, we saw with the midterm elections, there's just not any change on either side of the aisle. People who historically vote blue are going to vote blue. People who historically vote red are going to vote red. And, you know, Arizona, Nevada, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia, North Carolina, and, and that's about it. Or, and a couple yeah. votes in those Tens of thousands of votes are going to determine who wins those states, who gets the electorals, and who gets to 270 or over. The big thing, and I know President Trump has been pushing out a ton of policy-related issues since November of last year. You have to be the jobs president. Joe Biden is not, no matter what they tell you <laughs> in regards well, to they'll tell you different. unemployment, wages, the job market, the economy, you have to be the job. Donald Trump convinced so many independents and walkaway Dems in 2016, especially in those swing states where he destroyed the blue wall in the Rust Belt. He was the jobs president. He was pulled away from that narrative because of the pandemic. Yes. And all of the impeachments and stuff throughout the course of his presidency. But there is a big opportunity for President Trump to get back to be the jobs president. And I think it really matters in those blue wall states within the Rust Belt. The only place that a you know, modern day Republican has won across the board as Donald Trump in 2016. He has to recreate and bottle some of that lightning and turn it into magic on the campaign trail. I do feel like he, he will because he's hitting hard on the dollar, uh, on the geopolitical implications of it, uh, you know, how Americans are, are becoming broke. And, and the, the jobs numbers that the Biden administration continues to hype up are, are people working multiple jobs just to make ends meet and people still coming back and rebuilding from the uh, pandemic, which apparently ended yesterday. So I saw Tucker Carlson weighed in on Joe Biden's Easter appearance with Al Roker and just the overall narrative on how, you know, an absolute pile of dump this guy is. Let's hear him. 
We're not prepared to announce it yet, he says with his eyes closed. Well, why aren't they announcing it? Well, you know why. He's going to be 82 by the next inauguration, and no one really other than his wife thinks that's a good idea, because it's not. So where does that leave Democrats? Well, if you're a rational person who took them at their word, you would assume the party, the Democratic Party, would replace Joe Biden with someone who embodies their highest values. You imagine a trans black woman with a background in corporate HR, or a Latinx drag queen with purple hair and lots of face piercings, or maybe even Kamala Harris. But no, in fact, no chance. That would be principled, and therefore, they will never do it. Nominating someone you say you support? No! When Biden leaves, or more likely is shoved aside, they're going to nominate another straight white man who loves the big banks. Someone even oilier and faker than Joe Biden. Why would they do that? Because it worked last time. Yep. And we're guessing if we had to bet tonight, it's going to be Gavin Newsom. We can't say that for certain, but we have noticed Gavin Newsom was at the White House not long ago when Joe Biden wasn't, just kind of measuring the curtains. And then over the weekend, we saw this, Gavin Newsom sitting down with the Democratic Party's former spokeswoman, now in residence at MSNBC, Jen Pasaki. Pasaki didn't conduct really an interview. She's not a journalist. She gave Newsom instead a chance to outline his platform for when he takes complete control. And we'll, and we'll get to a portion of that interview in just a second as we're going to kind of segue to that. You know, we mentioned it with, with Congressman Kiley uh, early on, who's a staunch uh, fighter in the face of Gavin Newsom, has been for a number of years in California, is now, you know, replicating the same thing with the help of congressional Republicans up on Capitol Hill. And I can't say enough for the good work that he's doing. In addition to that, we're going to be sitting down with former ambassador to Iceland, uh, Jeffrey Ross Gunter in just a second. So another great guest coming in here, good friend of the show, who's uh, going to talk to us all about the geopolitical implications of not only Joe Biden reannouncing he's running for president, but all the craziness that's been happening and, and piggybacking off of what Cash Patel said about, you know, the leaks from the, the Pentagon and the Department of Defense recently. So sticking in this thread here and alluding to what Alan and I were just talking about before that clip, you know, the only thing that sucks is unless there is some kind of a, an agreed backdoor handshake to where Gavin Newsom is essentially going to be handed the keys to the Democrat machine that Joe Biden currently occupies, everything from the Oval Office all the way down to the ground game, it's just not going to work for him in this election cycle. So maybe that's the tell. Maybe that's something that, you know, Tucker's working on investigative journalismly wise uh, to kind of unpack it for his listenership. But that Joe Biden is not going to run and then it's oh, it's not me, but hey, here. Yeah, some kind of Have manufactured crisis, health something, or maybe even scandal. Remember, even though we don't think anything is going to come from it, there is a big special counsel that's been appointed with a Russiagate lawyer heading it, uh, investigating Joe Biden's document disaster of classified materials. And it's a very real thing. You know, we're finding out now it's not just a couple manila envelopes with some stuff. He was able to shove down his pants and get out of a skiff. We're talking about tens of thousands of classified documents scattered all over the Northeast portions of the United States and different places that Joe Biden has either formally or currently occupies in regards to uh, residents and business over the course of decades. So yeah, will that be the way they usher him aside or will they manufacture some kind of a health crisis? We can't tell. Um, but you know, it, it would seem out of all the historical candidates who are just seem completely unappealing to not only the naked eye, but to everyone's gut, you know, like I, I mentioned the Klobuchar's the, 
the Elizabeth Warrens, Hillary Clintons. Oh, my. Uh, Gavin Newsom does come off as the younger, greasier version of what Joe Biden has become the empty suit and now fills the role for. The radical progressive left, the woke agenda, and climate everything. And, uh, you know, we're... we're Barack Obama did a great job of destroying a lot of American might in regards to our federal law enforcement, operational security along our southern border, and internationally to where he he showed almost no diplomacy. He he basically laughed and droned whatever he felt you know was going to cause any kind of problem or scandal for his administration, uh, while creating recreating the biggest racial divide in this country since the civil rights movement. Joe Biden has parlayed that into showing he can be just as incompetent when it comes to uh, things like foreign relations in regards to like the Afghan withdrawal and how they're handling Taiwan now, all the way up through trans and pronouns, everything, and climate even more. So let's hear what potentially could be the absolute last nail in our coffin for this country in regards to political candidates on the, on the Democrat side, Gavin Newsom, when he did sit down with Jen Psaki over this weekend, criticizing Republican governors. There's something deep and, and serious that's happening across this country. All the progress the last half century is being rolled back oh. in these states oh. in real time. In just the last few years, I don't think people fully understand the rights regression individual liberties on civil rights on voting rights on the oh gerrymandering God, that's happening out here on just the assault on the african-american community the assault on the gay lesbian bisexual mm. and trans community the number one issue of the day it seems to be getting rid of the word latinx in oh, arkansas and number oh. two getting rid of drag shows oh. it's a serious moment in american history and yet we're so consumed respectfully by the spectacles in washington that i as an american feel compelled as a governor to call that out and expose some of that in a more systemic way. And forgive me for being intense about this, but everything I have taken for granted in my life in the last half century in terms of rights expansion, I didn't even bring up abortion and contraception. All of that, all of that is in peril at this moment. And my kids, they need, if I care about my kids, I sure as hell better care about what's going on in Alabama. Oh. I'm telling oh you what, li listen, people eat that shit right up. But here's the thing, and I've mentioned it and, and really tried to express to our listenership. These people on the radical left, the ones who control all the power, the Nancy Pelosi's, Gavin Newsom's, and Chuck Schumer's, Joe Biden's, and everyone in between, all Joe Biden's handlers, or Jake Sullivan, and you know Tony Blinken, and Susan Rice, and, and uh, Tory Newland, and all When it comes down to it, and you see these people that they're trying to get on board to make up votes for people who has, has probably historically have committed voter fraud, non-citizens, uh, ballot harvesting, uh, you know, things like that. And they're trying to come on to these young people who just uh, 400 pounds, green hair, so many piercings you can't even see the skin on their face. These people make the radical left leaders sick to their stomach. They want nothing to do with them. Nothing All they want is their them. vote. This is the new version of how... Historically, Democrats have used African-Americans, Latino people, poor people to say, listen, let us come in and, and we'll we'll fix everything and then do nothing for them until the next election cycle. They'll throw them. It'll be right. essentially like when morale is low in the office. So the boss brings in pizza instead of giving people raises or hiring. That's what people. they do. That's what they do. And, and, you know, these guys 
have no idea the damage they've done to this country. Like if the pandemic wasn't enough to absolutely tank an entire generation of children, this whole trans narrative to where just because kids get to see it might look cool or appealing to them on places like TikTok now, uh, you know, you could like think that 50% of all kids who are, you know, zoomers now are, are identify as trans or have pronouns. You're, you're breaking the planet in ways to which you, you really can't go back and fix. And Tucker Carlson did a really good segment on this. I did, I didn't pull a piece of that, but I, you know, I listened to it the other day and essentially what the trans movement does is they, they convince people that they're essentially spitting in the face and have more authority than God who made everything and men and women, because they have the ability to take how he made them supposedly perfect as a man or a woman and, and change that in the face right. of it. We all know at the genetic levels and, you know, we always make the joke if, if there's, you know, 10 men and a hundred women locked on an Island and on the Island right next to it, there's 10 trans people and a hundred trans women uh, with them in a hundred years. You'll have one Island that's essentially a graveyard and the other Island you'll have a, yeah. a, a, a flourishing, you know, um, society and, and the fact of the matter is like scientists a hundred years a thousand years a billion years from now will be able to dig up a uh, human remains and determine on whether or not based off just bone structure and 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 pulling some genetic details that this was either a biological man or woman there's nothing in between and it nope. doesn't matter what you want to pretend you are whether it be a furry or a leather bondage mass dog or you know or general yeah identify <laughs> as, as the other sex or whatnot you you, you can't change any of that stuff and it's it's just not going to happen so you know what we need to do is just kind of fight in the face of this to the best we can legislatively uh through law and, and really make it to where we can't bend the knee to this anymore We've already broken an entire generation of children's with the two years of COVID lockdowns to which many won't recover academically. And uh, when you talk about the regression and normal social development uh, in regards to kids, then you start forcing, well, you know, maybe you don't fit in because maybe you're not what God predisposed you to be. So yeah. why don't you think about changing that? And why, it, why don't you go after the people that, that are, are standing in the way of you being the person that not God intended you to be, but you think you, you intend to be. What do you think, Alan? It is legit. It is legit. Good versus evil now. And yeah. it's, it's a war of the messaging and it's the war of the narratives. It is uh, for lack of a better term, information law. You just heard a sick commie leftist progressive governor from California on a sick left progressive show, uh, just deliver more of this, uh, evil messaging. Okay, Latin X is offensive to Hispanic people. Ask any Latin person and say, "Do you want to be called a Latino, a Latina, or Latin X?" And they will tell you because they are very proud of it or what they want to be called. You tell the lie enough to as many African Americans as you can that Republicans hate them, they're going to believe it. You promise them something and you give them just enough for them to vote for you. That's what's going to happen. And that's what the Democrats and the sick leftists are very good at. You want to convince people that drag shows a wholesome family fun. You tell the lie enough and we allow that it's going to happen. They want to normalize the sexualization of children. Yep. They want to normalize that the, the family does not know what's good for their children. 
And it, it, it's really, it, there's nothing more to say other than it is good versus evil. And I, it's, it's a war. It is a political war. It is a culture war. Uh, it's, it's, and it needs to be fought on all fronts as far as messaging goes because they, they want to come for our kids. They, like you said, Roan, they destroyed them for those two years during COVID. My my ten year old still struggles in some places that she should not be struggling in at this point. Same here. It's it, it's it's devastating. And what the hell did Kim Kilfoyle see in Gavin Newsom? It's an interesting <laughs> one. There, we'll have to ask her next time she's on the show. Um, you know, I did say that we were going to hear uh, a little bit of Tucker Carlson breaking down that Newsom interview with Jen Psaki in regards to uh, Republican governors, especially Ron DeSantis. Uh, but before we do that, guys, wherever you're listening today, obviously we appreciate that you're here, whether it be on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Podbean, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, you name it. Make sure you're subscribed to the show. Leave us a rating, five stars, and then write a review. We'll read some good ones on the show. I've got a, I got a good one here uh, for the after credits today. In addition to that, social media is Truth, Getter, Twitter, Instagram, Steak for Breakfast podcast. Follow us. Hit that notification bell. Then you'll get all the great updates we're always having in regarding to the shows, videos we make, uh, some of the messaging we're having. Uh, you guys follow in between shows, et cetera. And as we're getting ready to sit down here with uh, – Ambassador Gunter, in just a second, uh, let's hear that clip from Tucker Carlson where he's breaking down part of that Gavin Newsom interview. Lecture the person who's doing a better job than he is on how he's a bad person. Watch Newsom tell the governor of Florida how to run a state. There was a pretty startling split screen. You had a thousand kids in Nashville out there protesting the lack of action on gun uh, reform measures. Mm. Well, you had Governor DeSantis signing a bill on permitless carry behind closed doors. What did you make of that? Scared to death. Who is he scared of? Scared of the people. Scared the of the people public. in Florida? Yeah, that overwhelmingly oppose that position. <laughs> I think the majority of the NRA members, you know, probably oppose that position. <laughs> This is what happens when everything about you, from your physical features to your very soul, has been altered by cosmetic surgery. Just like Joe Biden. It's a pretty good analogy there. Obviously, it seeped into his brain, and I don't really buy into the narrative that, uh, you know, Republicans who voted for Ron DeSantis down in Florida want to, you know, pick up arms against him as he gives him legislatively the opportunity to, to, to constitutionally carry weapons in the state. And, uh, you know, it, it's just one of those, th- this is what the kind of narrative that they're going to try and push on everybody. They're going to use like a flashpoint in time, like, you know, the couple hundred trans people supposedly that they got to rally in Nashville, right. Tennessee, which is historically a blue city. Uh, it's not as red as the rest of the state. So just keep that in mind. Uh, you know, it's like if you took Baltimore and threw it like in the middle of Texas, or as I like to call it, Austin, uh, you know, yeah. And, and but it, it's, it's kind of just the clown world narrative that these guys propriate as what normalcy is. And, you know, to think that uh, less than a fraction of a percent of a demographic of the entire United States speaks for the half a trillion guns that are out there uh, nationwide. You, you really can't buy into the fact that these guys are going to run on anything else other than misinformation and the sky is falling narrative from here until the end of existence. So, 
Listen, Alan, it was great sitting uh, on the show today with you. We appreciate the fact that when you come on, you're going to be here again Friday. Hopefully, Antoinette's joining us as well as Noah's out of the office this week. And uh, as we're getting ready to jump in with uh, Ambassador Gunter in just a second, where could we find you on social media? We know you want to hype up those cigars. We're always hyping them up throughout the show. And uh, we'll be looking forward to sitting down with you again on Friday. Yeah, just uh, find me on Twitter, Alan. Uh, Twitter and Truth at uh, Alan Jacoby 1776 And... Uh, Get some great cigars, mypatriotcigars.com. Make sure you're using promo code STEAK for 15% off. Support my business. Get great cigars. Support your favorite podcast and mine, Steak for Breakfast. Ron, it's always a pleasure, and I'll be back on Friday. Uh, we're loving uh, that narrative right there, and we're going to be jumping over the phones in, in just a second here with Ambassador Gunter. All right, joining us next on the show, he's the former ambassador to Iceland who served under the Trump administration. He's joining us again on the show today. Jeffrey Ross Gunter, thanks for coming back on Steak for Breakfast. Ah, uh, pleasure. Just uh, honored to be here. You guys do such a great job. Uh, you get the word out. And uh, if you don't do it, no one's going to do it. So uh, pleasure to be here. Great honor. Oh, we've been working real hard. And uh, you worked real hard when you served in the Trump administration, sir. That's why we uh, enjoy having you back. And we definitely think you got a, kind of a, your finger on the pulse of everything that's going on geopolitically, uh, which is where we're going to get to. But what I want to start with is uh, you know, something that's kind of been engulfing the news cycle over the course of the last several weeks, maybe seven plus years, if you look at it that way. So obviously you've been tracking what happened with President Trump last week. He was indicted in the state of New York. He was arraigned in a Manhattan courtroom and uh, returned to Mar-a-Lago to uh, give his statements on it. Where we've kind of come as a nation, you know, you, you've had the opportunity to work hand in hand with several of our geopolitical allies and foes across the globe over the course of the term of your service to the United States, sir. Just outside looking in right now at everything that's going and surrounding President Trump, even as his poll numbers continue to climb, what can you say as like a kind of a narrative or, or some commentary on this whole situation? I mean, the reality is such, by the way, great, great that you bring this up. Because so much of what goes on in politics and so much of what goes on in diplomacy is perception is reality. And you can only imagine what the outside is looking in in America right now. You have a president of the United States who is literally shaking hands with thin air. You have a president of the United States who stumbles and fumbles his way up the stairs into Air Force One, one of the greatest symbols of American strength. Um, you have a president of the United States who is mumbling and fumbling talking to Al when he asks him whether he's running for president. These are the images that the current administration is portraying around the world, and it invites one thing and one thing only, which is aggression. And that is exactly what we're seeing around the world. Aggression from China, aggression from Russia, aggression in the Middle East. These bumbles and fumbles and these images that he's sending of delusion and confusion is just a terrible thing for america it's a terrible thing for diplomacy and it really does hurt our country and imagine if you contrast that with ronald reagan standing in front of the brandenburg gates yeah. or contrast that with president trump in all the things that he does as he projects strength and that strength creates peace and the weakness that biden is showing is similar to jimmy carter yes it shows us appeasement weakness and invites literally invites aggression yeah it's it, it's wild just watching this stuff kind of unfold uh you know you you think you, you would hear about it and there was a lot of people who said oh you know they're looking at it but they're never going to do it and then to see 
what happened with President Trump uh, last week. And as we're watching it, you know, people who cover the news, people who work in or had worked in uh, the government like yourself did, Ambassador, have to be watching this and being like, the, the eyes that I'm seeing it with are the same eyes that Vladimir Putin, that Xi Jinping, that... Oh, they're and all we lose the moral high ground. Yeah. So brilliant what you're saying. We yeah. lose the moral high ground. How can we lecture other countries about being banana publics when we have a weaponized government that itself is acting like a banana republic. Yeah, that's certainly where we're at right now. And uh, we can only hope, even though we, we're hearing that President Trump's going in to give a disposition to Letitia James now this week, uh, and, and you know, coming down the pike, we have the Georgia and, and January 6th referrals coming as well. Who knows? It, it seems like uh, stick-wise, it's not going to do anything except drag him through the mud. Obviously, they're playing lawfare with a lot of people close to the president. You know, we have a lot of uh, Trump surrogates, former uh, administration officials, and ones who are still currently working on the campaign on the show all the time, and they say they're getting and harassed by the ATF, FBI, DOJ, IRS, and they're just kind of trying to make everyone around President Trump so weary of, of the lawfare that they're playing against him that they are trying to weaken the superstructure that he's built around him in the form of his uh, 2024 campaign apparatus. So that's kind of where we're at with that, and uh, it's just crazy to watch. And, and, and hopefully once we get past this and, and if President Trump can win back the White House in 2024, which seems like the most sensible option for the entire world kind of where we're at, uh, that he can really put – the breaks to this stuff and start to clean out some of those federal agencies that have just decayed to the point to where, like you said, they're not even working to serve us anymore. They're just kind of doing their own thing and, and at the, you know, plight of the people that are currently in control in Washington, D.C. Um, Ambassador, one thing I saw popping off this weekend, I'm sure uh, someone who held the position that you did, it was obviously very concerning, was uh, China's kind of saber rattling uh, with Taiwan and some of the responses from uh, the congressman who we had a delegation in theater there in Taiwan and then the the, the highest levels of leadership from twi- Taiwan were meeting with Speaker McCarthy last week in California. When you start to see China do what they're doing, and, and we've kind of built a narrative on the show that they might not necessarily want a hot war. They want to destroy us economically first and then replace the United States kind of at the top of the food chain. But is this just kind of a show of strength knowing after having dealing with Joe Biden for two years that he's not going to do anything regardless of what they do, just short of an attack? Or, or do you think it's something else? Um, their shows of military strength are acts of aggression that help them advance not only their military strategy, if it comes to that, but it also advances their political agenda. Sure. And they are using aggression as a means to intimidate, to push the ball forward, and to show the rest of the world who's boss. And contrast that with President Biden falling off the stairs <laughs> of Air Force One or falling on his bicycle. And and that just shows you the utmost importance of the perception of a country influences what's going on diplomatically around the world. And unfortunately, China gets it, and the current Biden administration does not. No, they don't. And and when you saw those hearings that happened last week up on Capitol Hill where Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and uh, the Joint Chief uh, General Milley were both getting grilled by Congress in regards to the Afghanistan withdrawal, um, they want to take victory laps on what they consider accomplishments and then completely push back on any kind of criticism or if anybody wants to be held accountable from this administration. The one thing the Biden administration has done while circling Joe Biden as he's falling down the stairs is circle the wagon for their own cabinet members and those at the highest levels right now because – when you talk about it just off the bat, there have been several uh, impeachable offense that have way passed the threshold. Just off the top of my head, Merrick Garland, 
Alejandro Mayorkas and, of course, Joe Biden. And, and you know, if you go and listen to either the press secretary or the assistant press secretary, John Kirby, or anybody that speaks on behalf of the administration or when these guys get drug up to Capitol Hill, they act like, no, this is the way it is. And if you don't like it, like, essentially kiss our ass. And that's kind of where we're, we, we've, we're at right now with this administration. They're, behind, they're behaving like a banana republic. They're behaving like a Stalinist regime. Truth does not matter to them. When millions of people are pouring across the border, they can sit there straight-faced and tell you, oh, the border's under control. Uh, (laughs) The the images of people falling off of transport aircraft in Afghanistan speak for it all. And what do they do? They deflect, they distort, they destroy, they try to push it back onto President Trump, which is not only shameful to the American public, it's shameful to our brave 13 military personnel who died, who died in that terrible, unnecessary loss. It's disrespectful to them. It brings back uh, memories of, for myself, of the way Hillary Clinton uh, treated those who died in Benghazi. Sure. It's, it's the same playbook. They ignore reality. Truth doesn't matter. And their favorite media team, the mainstream media, just echoes their lives throughout the country. And it's tragic. And the American people see it. And President Trump is surging in the polls because of it. Americans see it, and they want better, and their future is President Trump. No, it certainly is, and we feel the same way in this show, obviously. It's so it's so awesome that you bring up that point. You know, Hillary Clinton's What Difference Does It Make became Joe Biden's, hey, listen, Jack, that happened four or five days ago. It's not happening right now. <laughs> like history, so well said. Yeah, yeah, history can't mirror itself any better than in those two instances in regarding the Afghanistan withdrawal. But, but it leads me to think that there are still people who work at the highest levels of our federal agency, albeit probably not using the best methods to show everybody that there is. But we did see over the weekend, and the, and the White House pushed back hard on some very big classified document leaks that made it onto social medias, places like Telegram and stuff at the end of last week, um, coming out of the Pentagon, which showed like war plans, uh, strategic operations that are going on w- within Ukraine and stuff like that. What do you think is the, is the big tell here? Obviously, people from the Biden administration who are trying to protect Joe Biden and everything that he's got going on is not going to be the people that are leaking this stuff. But when you see stuff like this start to happen, what does it say for the people who are working in the government still that know we're going down the wrong track? We're going down it at a rate so fast that we may not be able to stop this at some point, and, and they kind of want to get the you know American people kind of in the know of what's really going on behind the scenes. Um, personally... The leakage of top-secret documents in this fashion, personally, is uh, reprehensible. Sure. Um, When you start to include means and sources and things like that, you're putting fellow Americans at risk. The shame is when people get to the point where they feel they have to do that when something is wrong. And obviously, it's an indication among many people in that environment that they believe something is, is truly wrong and not 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 correct there. Nevertheless, we have a two-tiered system of justice. Are they going after these people that leaked? Are they finding out where these leaks came from? They undermine our democracy. They undermine our safety and security. When I was U.S. ambassador in Iceland, they leaked about my personal security. Yep. And the uh, the media covered it extensively in, in various mainstream networks with a complete disregard of the implications of that has, not only for my own personal safety, but for those who are sworn to defend me and take care of me as a U.S. ambassador. So these leaks tell you there's something rotten going on there, but also we have to vigorously find those people and and uh, rid our government of those 
who are going to leak top secret documents and put our sources and methods at risk. That's the point right there. You may not like the way that those who are at the highest levels of command right now are, are steering the ship. But to sabotage the ship, like like you said, metaphorically, uh, I'm going to make the point with, with a lot of sailors still on the ship is not necessarily always the best way or even the correct method ever to kind of get that out to the American people. So I definitely. But you made a really good point. Let's face it. There's something going on there and people don't like it. And, and that's a good point that you made. Yeah. And no, it certainly is. And uh, we're going to continue to track this. We don't really think it's like to the levels of like a Snowden moment right now, but it's definitely uh, pinging a lot of people who, who know like, hey, there's some there's some people working in some pretty high channels right now who are unhappy with what's going on and they're trying to tell somebody something. I think it's too early to see. It, stuff's going to probably get broke down. And it was just funny that John Kirby said yesterday, like even reporting on this is just completely like irresponsible. This shouldn't be on the front page of any newspaper anywhere. And I was like, well, that's kind of weird. Like why wouldn't they want us to even know like okay it happened but you you should say that like the government knows about it there's a formal investigation being opened up into how the leaks happened but to not want to report about it at oh, all and, and they're incredibly hypocritical sure i can i can show you the news medias that, that covered not only leaks on my security but other u.s ambassadors around the world so it, it's a very selective outrage on the part of the current administration that you almost can't take them seriously why because at the end of the day with these guys truth does not matter no, it doesn't. And, and we've had Ambassador Grinnell on the show, too, and he's kind of railed. Listen, John Kirby is not one of his favorite people on the planet either. And Well, Rick Grinnell is a tremendous patriot, and I can tell you firsthand, seeing what he did in Germany and see what he did at, at DNI, he's an amazing individual, an amazing patriot, and America is so lucky to have the likes of uh, Rick Grinnell. He, he's a tremendous patriot. As we are with you, Ambassador, which is my last thing I wanted to ask you on. Now, listen, you're currently not working in the administration, obviously. Uh, we love the fact that we could come on and glean some of your experiences and insight from the things that you saw when you did serve. But there's a pretty open road happening right now between now and 2024. Are you looking or considering to do anything in regards to working back in the government, maybe serving in the next Trump administration or possibly running for an office as we head into the uh, general election season for the presidency? I've been looking at all those options. And the reality is such is we can no longer afford to sit on our hands. It reminds me of a great quote by Ronald Reagan. It said, when you can't make them see the light, make them feel the heat. There you go. And that's, that's exactly what you do day in and day out on your podcast. And that's what all of us have to do as great patriots and as great Americans. We have to make them feel the heat. We can't sit back. So I take my inspiration from Ronald Reagan I take my inspiration from President Trump, but I also take my inspiration from the great work that you're doing on your show. Well, we so God bless you. We appreciate that, Ambassador, and we appreciate you. We're going to be looking forward to having you on again very soon. And in the meantime, if there's anybody that wants to follow any of the work that you're doing or, or maybe across social media, what can we live link in the show description today? Well, I, I, would, I would follow me at Truth Social. We have a new great op-ed coming out, which talks about the importance of perception in diplomacy. And it's so important. If you think about all the work that goes in to a presidential visit, to a vice presidential visit, we hosted Vice President Mike Pence when he came to Iceland. The amount of work and manpower, not only relating to their safety and security, but also to the perception of strength in the high north. And that's what so many of your listeners and viewers need to understand is so much of what we do goes into that perception. Sure. And it's such a shame when we see it go awry in the uh in the current administration 
No, you're, you're right right there. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things when you talk about leadership kind of across the board and you look at some of the empty suits that, that go on these, uh, some of the ambassadors that are presenting themselves to uh, our strongest geopolitical foes. Obviously, the Secretary of State, uh, you know, 90 pounds soaking wet, speaks with a very soft voice and doesn't have really any kind of uh, hammering policies to hold our geopolitical adversaries at bay either. Uh, such a stark contrast when we had, uh, you know, some of the big guns within the Trump administration. You obviously, you mentioned Ambassador Grinnell, and uh, yourself always comes to mind as well. We'll be looking forward to having you back soon, Ambassador. We will talk about that op-ed once you release it. We'll look to schedule you have schedule you back shortly thereafter, and uh, we'll be live linking that in the show description today. This is the former ambassador to Iceland. One of our Thank great you for friends. having me. Congratulations on all the great things you're doing for America. You're making them feel the heat is what you're doing in the words of Ronald Reagan. So thank you. Mr. Jeffrey Ross Gunter, thanks for coming back on the show. You bet. Not too bad of a way to start the week. Kind of wish Noah and Antoinette were here, but we're glad we had Alan Jacoby in studio. If you enjoyed this episode of the Steak for Breakfast podcast and want to hear the now over 225 other editions of the show, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, FM Player, Podata, Google Podcasts, or even in the Samsung Store. Subscribe to the show and rate it. Leave a review. And don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go to all of our amazing guests today. Obviously, Congressman George Santos and Kevin Kiley, always glad when they come on the show. Former Chief of Staff to the DOD, Mr. Cash Patel, is always a pleasure. And it was great circling back with former Ambassador to Iceland, Jeffrey Ross Gunter. Thank you guys for taking time out of your busy schedules to come down and help make stakes great again. Guys, don't forget to go out and support our small business partners because when you do that, you help make small American businesses great again as well, namely MyPillow. Listen, you know Mike Lindell loves Easter and the celebration of Jesus rising from the tomb. When you enter promo code STEAK at checkout, you're going to experience biblical savings. For instance, MyPillow version 2.0, enter promo code STEAK here, buy one, get one free. If you're more of a morning person, they've got my coffee. You can find that in the My Store. You enter promo code STICK here, getting 25% off your order, 50% off when you make it a monthly subscription. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. If you want the coffee, MyStore.com forward slash steak. Or you can always talk to a qualified pillow representative, 1 800 658 8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones that I've ever owned, now endorsed by Mr. Raheem Kassam, can only be found at Odyssey. If you're in the studio, you're recording, you're writing music, even podcasting. You want to make the investment, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Aussie.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram. Man rubs. I had a man rub tri tip last night. It was quite delicious. And uh, when you enter promo code stake at checkout here, you're getting 15% off your total order. Manrubs.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Don't mistreat your meat. My Patriot Cigar is Alan, the guest host today, is the CEO of the company. You enter promo code stake here, you're getting 15% off your order. Every order of over 100 bucks, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card is included with every purchase. MyPatriotCigars.com, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. And last but certainly not least, our newest partner, Farmer Bill's Beef Jerky. It is delicious, to say the very least. You get a promo code stick at checkout here. You're getting 5 bucks off your order. You put together a 12-pack, free shipping. Check out all the great things they've got going on down at FarmerBill'sProvisions.com. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Friday. Looks like Jake Denton, Congressman Troy Nels, and Mark Ivano are going to be here. 
following Tuesday, Josh Hammer, Trump attorney Jesse Benal, and Alex Brusewitz will be joining us. Liz Harrington and Brendan Dilley are scheduled for the 21st. John Solomon's coming back on a reschedule April 25th. And so far, the president of the New York Young Republicans Club, Gavin Wax, will be joining us on the 28th. Trying to finalize with Max Miller, Lauren Boebert, Wesley Hunt, John Ratcliffe, and Congressman Lance Gooden in lieu of, and we'll see who else wants to jump on between now and then as well. So, busy schedule coming up here, and uh, we just got to keep riding it out. Friends of the week, we can't forget our Truth Social Twitch streamer crew. Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten, CSM Masters, and Friends. They love Minecraft and live streaming it. They also love sharing and are always caught distributing steak for breakfast content. In addition, Some Call Me Tim 79 is back amongst his three jobs and many children sharing our content as well on there. Some of our Twitter friends. Ultra Maga Fran, Laura Eve, Chris Paul, Miguel Fornia, The Average Ape, Roxana Graham, Matt Jaramillo, William S. We're all caught sharing steak for breakfast content. You know, we love uh, our good friend Ghost Hammer. Oh, scissor me, Tambor. As well. In addition to some of them, the meme team John Hacker LA, Namrock Namrock, Grand Old Memes, Edward Russell, Real Brenda Memes, Machiavelli Memes, The Duke of Memes, The Real Meme DeLorean, Dumbass Photoshop, The Silent Meme Jordy, Who White Memes, and Madam America Made the Cut. Make sure you're following all those guys. Guys, things to remember between now and Friday show number one do your own research. You think that, uh, China's saber rattling over the weekend was simply uh, a display of force and not an intimidation factor to the United States as they worked their plan to implement railroads all over the globe to uh, help them, you know, overtake the United States and the global economy. Do your own research. Number two, start a podcast. I'm sure Noah will appreciate the lack of edits today. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. Joe Biden's half an announcement to rerun for uh, the highest office in the universe on Easter Sunday with Al Roker is not talking about American greatness. Donald Trump getting a warm welcome at UFC on Saturday night down in South Florida was. We don't talk about American greatness enough, and we need to start talking about it again. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 229 of the Steak for Records podcast, and we'll be back episode 230 on Friday. So far, Jake Denton, Troy Nels, and Mark Avagno are set to join us. Who knows who else will jump in between now and then. But on behalf of the pod team, Noah, who's not here, Antoinette, who will be back on Friday, our guest host, Alan Jacoby, and all of our friends. I'm Roan. Thanks for listening. Take care. I used, I used, no, I don't. I, used, I knew Trump before he ran for the presidency. I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him. He was a huge sports fan. He used to throw a lot of events um, at, 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 you know, at, at his casinos and stuff like that. And I genuinely liked him. I didn't know who this guy was running for president. Um, I think he's changed. But I will tell you this. I think when people call him racist and stuff like that, I've never thought of Trump that way. It's not, he's not against black people. He's against all things not named Trump. <laughs> Do you There's ever, a uh... difference.